Blog Talk Radio. Miami Hurricanes are facing the sound and the fury. Nobody imagined an 0-2 start to the season a couple weeks ago, but it is here. It is real. And the toughest thing for Manny Diaz to reconcile is this. It is the defense that failed at North Carolina. His defense. It is tough to find positives in the midst of the worst start to a Miami Hurricane football season since 1978. But is that is what the Hurricanes must do? The improvement of the offense from week one to week two, putting up almost 500 yards at North Carolina. The advancement of Jaron Williams, who played at an elite level when he was not pressured. So they face the sound and they face the fury, but they don't do it without hope. The margin of error is almost non-existent now, but there is a lot of season ahead for the Hurricanes. We will talk about all of that and more tonight as we begin a new edition of Cane Sport Live.
Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and I welcome you once again to Canesport Live, presented again this year by Sicilian Oven Restaurants with six locations throughout the South Florida area. At Sicilian Oven, you will not only love the taste, you will taste the love. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. More than 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. Uh, same system as always, you hit the number one on your keypad when you do call in. That puts you in the queue, and we bring you on the show in the order that you land in that queue. We once again ask the subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. We will address them as we move forward this evening. All right, so after the game Saturday night, Miami's seventh loss in its last nine games, I wrote a column on canesport.com that no questions can be answered, that nothing will change until Miami takes its recruiting to another level. It's former level from the 1980s, then the 1990s when things got a little bit better than that, and then the first decade of the 2000s when Miami set the gold standard for recruiting high school athletes that now is being, I guess we should say, followed by teams like Alabama Georgia, and Clemson. And the one thing I'll point out is that when Miami recruited at that level, there was no talk about bags or, or, or you know cheating or anything like that. Guys like Butch Davis and his staff, they rolled up their sleeves and they went to work. And they spent enormous effort identifying players like Ed Reed and Reggie Wayne, who were not five-star players, but they were elite players, players that they could turn into elite players that allowed Miami to surge to the top of college football. So yeah, so the bar needs to be raised higher without question because what we're seeing is that when Miami shows up at North Carolina, when it showed up last year at Virginia and Boston College, on and on and on and on and on. Even though Miami theoretically is recruiting a little bit better than all those guys, they're essentially on a level playing field with these teams. And a lot of these teams have good coaches. And if you're not on top of your game the way Miami was not on Saturday night, more times than not, you're going to get beat, especially if it's a night game on the road. So some people agreed and some people disagreed with my conclusion, but fight this argument at your own peril because the facts simply back me up. And let me start tonight with this. From 1980 to 1989, as the Miami program was rising as a college power, as you know, winning national championships in 83, 87, and 89, Miami had 10 first-round draft pick-worthy players in that decade. From 1990 to 1999, 
that number went up to 12. But take note, five from 1997 to 1999 alone. And then, due to the elite recruiting of Butch Davis, probably the best recruiting that college football had ever seen to that point, certainly in the modern era. I mean, I know some schools were able to put together good teams way back when there weren't the scholarship limits and things like that. But in the modern era, it was certainly the best. Check this out. Between 2000 and 2009, Miami soared to 26 first-round draft pick-worthy players. 26. The last 10 years, from 2010 to 2019, the Hurricanes have had just four first-round picks. Four. Think about that for a minute. We went from 26 in the previous decade to just four in this decade. That's recruiting, folks. That is... Uh, Amazing decline in the recruitment of high school football players to come play football at the University of Miami. That decline in recruiting has led to a decline in the product on the field. And why we're sitting here having the same conversations season after season after season. All that changes is where the problems are. And here's what it means. It means that there's always going to be something that compromises victory against just about any team that's any good. Even a team like North Carolina, which was coming off a three-win season last year. New coach, true freshman quarterback. You play Florida. You don't have offensive tackles because you're recruiting has not been good at the position. You don't have the offensive tackles to match up with their elite defensive ends. You lose. You go play at North Carolina, and you don't have good enough and seasoned enough defensive backs to handle their young quarterback who looks like he's going to be a star sooner rather than later, or a high-quality offensive coordinator like Phil Longo who's capable of identifying your weaknesses and finding ways to exploit them, which is what we saw in the first quarter the other night. You lose. It's been going on like this for years and years, Canes fans, and nobody seems inclined to accept it and embrace the challenge of fixing it. So here we are, reconciling yet another loss on what should be an animated night here, again, on Kane Sport Live. So let's get right to your calls, because I'm sure you have a lot you want to say about it. The number, 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. We're starting out tonight in the 845. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Hi, guys. Greg. Hey, what's up, Greg? How are you? I didn't see you in North Carolina, did I? No, I, I didn't go. I'm glad. But anyway, um, 
I just want to start off by saying it's a good thing we're old enough to know the good times because this is getting tough to take right now. Um, I want to start out by refuting some of your recruiting, okay? Um, good luck. You would, you would agree the crux of your team should be your seniors, right? I mean, you'd okay. like for it to be, and yeah. In the 2016 class, which would be seniors this year, we had seven four-stars. One of them, Amon Richards, got hurt, okay? Joe Jackson left for the NFL, which was a mistake. Romeo Finley has played well. Then we had Sam Bruce, Deontay Mullins, and Jack Allison. Total waste of a time. And we had okay. Shaq Quarterman. So, we so had let me two so, guys. So let me let me stop. Let me stop there. you right there for a minute, Greg. Let me stop you for a minute right there, because you, you're you're making you're making a point here, and and I and I think you're you're also making the point that I'm making. In recruiting is more than just recruiting kids that are four stars. Okay, recruiting is evaluations. It's identifying kids, um, doing the proper research into those kids, talking to enough people around them. If you talk to people around Sam Bruce when he was a senior in high school, all you had to do was talk to some people because we did. And we knew that that one was going to be problematic. Yet you invested a scholarship there on a wide receiver that never played a down for you. And the people around him would have predicted it. Okay, that was that was a that was an evaluation disaster. Okay, um, Jack Allison, you can't really blame. I mean, Mark Rick came in and changed the offense a little bit. wasn't really suited to Jack Allison's skills, so you can't really have a problem with that one. Um, who was the other one you mentioned? The Deontay Mullins. Okay, Deontay Mullins, bad evaluation. I mean, it was just, a, you know, he, he, was, he came in as part of a package out of Miami Gulliver. Uh, the one they really wanted was Joe Jackson. Um, they took uh, Deontay Mullins and the defensive back. I forget his name. He didn't play either. So you, you, yeah, Cedric Wright. So you, you took three kids out of Miami Gulliver that year, and only one was a real player. That's bad recruiting, okay? Bad recruiting, period. Okay, and, and this is the kind of stuff that's been going on in different ways for years here. And, and, and that is why this program is in the position it's in. People ask me all the time, can Miami ever be Miami again? Yes, Miami can be Miami again. I mean, if you get, if you do a good job of recruiting and you get, let's say what there were, there've been the last few years, four relatively highly regarded, believed to be elite defensive backs who got away. Um, if you get two of those, I bet you beat North Carolina the other night. I, I don't think there's any question about it because they wouldn't have been able to throw the ball the way they did if you had those kind of players on the roster. And, you know, I just think that's, that it's reality. And I think that the only way that Miami gets itself out of this nightmare that it's in has nothing to do with Manny Diaz and whether he should have gotten the head coaching job or not. You know, the, or, or whether Blake James should have done a proper search or, or, or anything like that. Whoever's in that job, 
needs to orchestrate a better job of recruiting top to bottom. Okay. Can I, can I continue with this for one second? Yeah, you the go ahead. Thing, if, we had, if we had Amon Richards, Joe Jackson, and Malik Young the other night, we would have won that game easily, okay? Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Any of these guys. You, didn't lose, you did not lose that game. Maybe Malik Young, because he was, he, was, he was playing pretty darn well when he got hurt. Um, but your problem the other night wasn't that the receivers weren't getting it done. I mean, Jaron Williams had 300 yards of passing. I mean, I agree Amon Richards is better than anybody on the roster, but I don't know that you can make that prediction. I mean, I, I, would, I would contest that. Pick, now, give me a cornerback. Give me a couple cornerbacks, and Malik Young is one, and 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 a, and a safety that's going to execute his assignments properly and not leave receivers wide open in the, on the most critical plays of the game. Gary, I watched Al Blades play in high school against Miramar, getting toasted constantly. Mm-hmm. Why were we so hot for Al Blades? Because his father played here. You're supporting Our what I said. couldn't cover you right now. He's terrible in coverage. And he, come he's on. definitely not a he's right. definitely not a cornerback. He's not a cornerback. And they got lucky on that one play where the guy was open that he was covering or help cover helping right. cover. And they would have been better off if the guy caught the ball. They would have had more time. To would have had more time. Yeah. Yep. But okay. listen, Al Blades is a, is a great kid, and, he, and he's a really good special teams guy and all that. But I totally agree with you. He is not a frontline cornerback at this level of college football. And that's another bad evaluation, in my opinion. Right. Okay. But you got to look at the 2018 class. We had 16 four and five star recruits. You got to give them a little time, Gary. We got to give the, there's a lot of good players on this team. Okay, so give them time. Uh, I, I, I'm not telling you not to give them time. A lot of them are playing right now. You, you just said we can't. We should have. We could have won the game at one fourth and seventeen. That's incomprehensible. You could but, play. But Greg, it was way like more that. than fourth. Fourth and seventeen was just one play. Okay, if, if, to focus oh, just on that. Data. Yeah, you're ignoring all what the things. The yeah, data? I. I understand, the, but the kick, the kicker, you you have so no margin of error. Anyone the else on the team that can kick besides him? So if nope. he got hurt, what would happen? Well, you do have other kickers, but no, not anybody that's as well, good as him. But that kind of stuff's going to happen. The kicker's going to go bad. He's going to miss a couple kicks. The good teams are able to overcome that. Okay, could you? I'm you know, or, or, one last point. Could you? Did you ask the coaches? Why they would run a delayed blitz by Gilbert Frierson on that fourth and seventeen? Why wouldn't you send the house so the kid didn't have enough time to look and have a clean pocket? It's unbelievable that Manny Diaz wouldn't said something. And you go home with two timeouts in your pocket. That's how many coaches, Gary. How many would you have blitzed, Greg? They sent five. How many would you have sent? I would have sent six guys up the double-A gaps against that center. You you tell me they took him out, the starting center. He doesn't have time to throw a 20-yard out if you blitz him. I'm sorry. If they come come clean, 
Most coaches in that situation would be they playing for Ben defense. times in a row before that. I, Greg, I understand. Most coaches in that situation would be playing a prevent defense. They would put their defensive backs on the on the line, and they would tell them, keep everybody in front of you. Okay. Why didn't we do that? Manny Diaz is a defensive genius. Come on. All right, I'll let you go. I know there's a million other people, but you got to give these players some time. Jaron Williams played really well. Hey. So, so Greg, give them them time. I'm telling you, I do not see a lot of elite talent on this football team. I see a lot of good players. A lot of good players. Running backs are good running backs. I think they are. I see a lot of good players. That's what I just said. I don't see a lot of elite talent. I don't see players like Clemson. Oh, yes, we are. Mark Pope. Who catches one pass for five yards? Come on, why don't you send him on a deep play instead of Brian Hightower at the end of the game? You, you got to be kidding me! Why isn't Mark Pope playing more? I, I got to go. I'm too disgusted. Thank you for the time. <laughs> yeah, listen, you're at, Greg. You're asking great questions. Obviously, I don't have the answers to those questions, but. I'm just telling you, as part of our discussion about my comments on recruiting, I don't see a lot of elite talent on this team. I don't see the kind of talent that is going to get them out of a situation that they were in the other night. I mean, think about all the times through the years where a great player would make a big time, you know, they, how do you think the whole saying big time players um, make big time plays in big time games got started down here? It was because so many of them would make them. Like, you know, I just, I don't see, I don't see those type of guys on this roster right now. And that means the recruiting is just not good enough and it needs to be better. And the bar needs to be raised. And if it's so not, what do you think of Manny's idea about the new recruiting style? He's not, you're not allowed to take visits anymore. Isn't that I, a dangerous precedent? What if Don Chaney wants to go on a visit to get his Polish scholarship? Is that what they're going to do? I, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I get what Manny's trying to do. He's trying to solve a problem, and they have had a problem He's with not Clemson. He's not well, that's, Clemson. That's, that they is, can get anybody that, they want. That is where it, it's going to get interesting, Greg, and you're making, you're making another good point. Uh, you know, I've heard from the camp of, of more than one recruit in the last – you know, a day or so that said the exact same thing. Like, you know, it's great to have a policy like that, but that right now Miami doesn't have that kind of leverage on these kids. And um, so it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, most of the kids in the current recruiting class are on board and, and they're okay with it because they're not planning on taking visits. Um, But it's going to be interesting in the future. If, if, depending on, on how Miami finishes this year off and, and what they're able to do. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. But I totally get what Manny's trying to do. He's trying to solve a big problem they have, and that's they're, they're dealing with way too many deep commitments. They're, it, it's embarrassing. You have kids that are on the commitment list who don't even know who's recruiting them. Um, it, it's out of control, and it's been very poor management of, of the recruiting process in general. And he's trying to fix that, and I think that's a good thing. Um, Whether he does have the leverage to pull it off in the end, that remains to be seen.
Well, we got one blue chipper coming in. Bob, can you tell us about Bubba Bolden when he's going to play? Bubba Bolden should be eligible um, by the Virginia Tech game for, in, in the first week of October. He, 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 he's just being forced to go a whole calendar year from when USC logged his, um, I guess you would say, departure or you know whatever, whatever it would be from that program. And you have to sit out a full year. So that's, you know, USC didn't didn't really work with Miami very much on that. Then certainly didn't try to help be helpful. And so he's having to sit out a full year. And uh, I think that clock will will expire for him the first week of October there. So you'll start seeing him then. And I think he's going to be the best safety on the team. I agree. Garvin Hall had a tough one the other night. I'll, yes, he did. I'll let you go. I'll see you at All the right, Virginia Greg. game if they win the next three games. See you. Bye. You got it. Well, it's a good thing that he's willing to have patience. I mean, I think everybody needs to have some patience. There's really no alternative. Um, but most people I talk to are just like beside themselves with season after season of these lo- – you know, the Florida loss – I think everybody pretty much expected. Nobody expected this one. Okay, yeah, the team that won three games last year. Um, nobody, I don't know anybody that anticipated that Miami was going to lose to North Carolina. But I will say this about North Carolina. They showed up a lot better than anybody could have imagined. Um, Mac Brown and that staff have done a great job revitalizing that football program. And winning the battle for Sam Howell, which ultimately was over John Richt and Mark Richt after he decommitted from Florida State, was obviously massive for them. I mean, that kid was unbelievable the other day. I'm sure everyone agrees with me. And was, without question, the difference in the game. And, and, and that's what I'm talking about. A player that can stand up and be the difference in the game. And Sam Howell was. He made every play he needed to make in that game. Think about all the things he did. And, you know, they hit a lull in the second and third quarter. It was largely due to the fact that their center got hurt, which threw their offensive line in disarray and just kind of unsettled things. But think about all the plays that kid made in the first and fourth quarters and what kind of game that he played as, as a true freshman and how he was the difference in winning and losing for North Carolina. That's what I'm talking about, okay? And that is what Miami doesn't have right now. It has a lot of good players, a, guy, a lot of guys that flash at different points here or there during the course of a game, but they don't have a lot of players that are taking over a game the way Sam Howell took over that game the other day to win it for North Carolina. That's what's missing right now. And if you want to win like the University of Miami wants to win – you need more than one or two of them. Carolina can be Carolina with one or two of them. Win it's eight, nine games a year. Pull an upset here or there in the Coastal. Maybe challenge for the Coastal every now and then. That's the kind of program Carolina has traditionally been, and, and they can be that. Miami has bigger aspirations and should have bigger aspirations. And to fulfill those aspirations, it's going to start with recruiting having to get a lot better. And that's what has not happened to this point. And there's legitimate question whether 
Manny Diaz has the juice to make that happen. I mean, it, it takes juice to go out and compete for the top players today. I mean, you know, you've got some really good programs that are monopolizing a lot of them. So we'll see what happens there. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out now to the 786. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, my friend, how are you? Hey, what's up, everything? How are you, man? I'm doing well. I, I'm, I'm assuming that you guys weathered the storm well. Yeah, everything's all good. Fantastic. So talk to us. Fantastic. What you got? Well, you know, Gary, I, again, I appreciate you guys giving us this opportunity, in particular, uh, you providing uh, the opportunity for us to call in. But uh, I got to tell you, um, you know, I, I shared a lot of things with you guys after spring ball, and people just wouldn't accept the things that I kept on bringing out. And as the, as we got closer to the Florida game, I noticed that that even you were kind of like being as realistic as possible. Not that you're not, for the most part, but I think you like to sell the program as well. That's part of what you do, and I think it's great because it's it's always just something I backed up and and bought into and, and support. But when you know football, you know football. And the things that I brought up, the same things that you started echoing on since I would say late July, early August. And as we got closer to the Florida game, it, you got even more specific. And everything that I had talked about is exactly what transpired. And it's not the call to say, hey, I knew, I knew this was going to happen, but it's just facts. When you don't have the competition that we have at running back, you have that across the board, the competition that we have at linebacker across the board, and you have all these young kids playing, these things are going to happen. But you know what, what really gets me is, at the end of the day, Boston College, Duke, all these Army, all these programs that have two and three-star kids, they coach their asses off, and they make these kids better. And to get to the point that Greg mentioned, you got to give – you have to be patient. Yes, you do. But when you have guys – and this has been my major criticism of this program for I don't know how many years, and you kind of shut me down when I brought it up, a guy like – the guys we have as assistants, there's four of them that don't belong where they're at. And, and I'm, I'm never going to get away from that because exhibit A, B, and C, we've seen already in three games. So I will say that Manny did hit on a great offensive coordinator. I'm not going to take away from that. I do like uh, Coach Baker. But Coach Patrick does not belong running special teams. He really doesn't. And I'm going to go over the role that each three, we have three coordinators, each guy, where they, and none of them, which pisses me off more, including Enos, have said, hey, I fucked up. I screwed up. I take responsibility for this happening. Not one of them said it. Enos was really quick to be very specific with Jerry. And I like that. Because God damn it, do the same thing. You go out there, you put your face out, and you say, I screwed up. So let me tell you how each one screwed up. Number one, Coach Patsy, special teams. A basic thing that we do at high school, and I was watching our, our high school team play last week. The staffer normally is the guy or the safety guy is the guy who reads what's coming. There's a communication. Our staffer looked and saw to his right of the A gap, a defensive back. To the left, he saw 
Trowbridge. Who do you think he chipped on? He chipped on the defensive back. That is common mm-hmm. sense. A, B, C, one, two, three. Because our right guard is not just going to take him, but he's also going to help the left tackle. Not calculus. This is a basic junior varsity, varsity high school football premise that is top in specials. And even though we, the evolution of the game takes us away from it, that's basic stuff, which was it didn't happen just once, Gary. It happened three times. Twice it cost points on a block and a deflection. Mm-hmm. So when I hear everybody, and what really pisses me off about my my fellow team member, my family members, when you're giving death threats to a kicker, he's a kid. He's a kid. That's why nobody wants to play here. You don't do that. And it's not his fault, totally. And this is what takes it pisses me off is as a coach, as an educator, whatever you want to call me, whatever I've done, man, you know you can't fail these kids. And this was wrong. And it was wrong. Coach Baker, tell you what, I, I was impressed that Greg made some great points earlier. When that center went out, the entire flow of the game changed for them offensively. Their timing went off. Everything changed. Everything. Everything. What did we do, Gary? We did either a double or delay or dog blitz up the A-gap three times. All three resulted in negative plays. Two were sacked. Why in God's name on fourth and 17 are you running a delayed blitz to a guy who is going to be a third-generation NFL player, an Andy Heck kid at left tackle? He is their best player on offense. Why, next to the quarter, the young quarterback, why in God's name are you running a blitz there? That kid's too smart. It's a great question. That kid's way too smart, Gary. And here's the other thing about that, that one play. Because you said, well, what play does it make a game? One play pretty much will out you as a coach, as a teacher. You'll be exposed. Every kid, this I'm going high school football. If it's fourth and fifteen, I've got three guys on a stick. Three. We had a basic, I think it was a cover three, that we then went man up in, on the interiors on the on the far half slot. Why are you doing that? Why are you giving this kid a clean, beautiful pocket to throw the ball? I'm not going to waste my best athlete. And let me tell you something. Gilbert Frierson is one hell of an athlete. But I'm going to bring in six DBs, two that are strikers, and I'm going to show something and then attack their weakness. And he didn't do that. And it's pathetic. Here's the next one. And then this one, I really respect this guy because this guy knows football. He knows how to teach. Danny knows. Let me tell you something, Gary. We have in two games, 16 play action, seven-step drops, or just seven-step drops, period. 16 of them. What do you think our percentage is on that, Gary? Complete the percentage. I'll help you, know. you out. It's three and 16. Six stats. 
in those 16. Wait, three of, we're, three of 16 on play-action passing plays? Is that what you're saying? On, on a seven-step drop? Yes, sir. Three of 16 in two games. Now, you know I've got plenty of time on my hands. Yeah, you do if you have that. I mean, where you 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 made that stat yourself? I charted everything from what I saw. Yeah. All right. And I also got, take... there's a guy on YouTube. There's a guy on YouTube who, who I don't know what the guy's name is, but he exposed. He had the same thing I had. But let me tell you what's worse about those 16 pass attempts. How many sacks do you think we got out of those deep drops in two games? How many sacks? Don't Six. know. Six with a young offensive line. So you're saying he's you're saying he's play you're saying he's play action passing too much. Either a seven step drop or a play action. One of the, whatever. It's a seven step drop. However you do it. Mm. Okay, there it is. Three of sixteen. But look at all the negative plays. Look how he changed from the beginning. His first twelve plays that he scripted against Florida. How beautiful that was. The first negative play came back on a seven-step drop. And with the young offensive line, and then you retool the offensive line, there's no need. There's need to get rhythm. There is no need to show something that you're not going to throw because, hey, the kid's accurate. He doesn't have a gun. Because he underthrew three passes that should have been touchdowns. I mean, at least he threw them. But he underthrew them. He does not have a gun. But anyway, and what the young offensive line said, it's, it's, uh, I so, think he's got a better gun than he's than he's showing. I think he's a little tentative. Should be, but you know when bullets fly, it's who you are. Now what you throw in practice? Yeah, well, I mean, he he, he took a big step. You got you got to admit, he took a big step forward from I, week one did. to week two. He did, he did, he did, but he's not there yet. He's not there yet. But my whole point in exposing all three of these coordinators, Gary Furman, Kane Fort family. Accountability is a two-way street. If you're going to go out there and have Cody and point the finger at a kid, there's three fingers looking right back at your ass. So when you screw up, you've got to be specific too. And neither mm-hmm. one, not one of these coordinators was specific, but it comes down to one thing. Okay? It comes down to one thing. Manny Diaz, young coach, young head coach, he never, ever, 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 ever addressed with this team and this defense, knowing that Stacey Seals knows the intricacies and the ends about this defense better than anybody else that's out there in college football, other than Mark Frick. So with that in mind, you've got to be able to play more games and show different things and fool them, like that double-dog blitz to leave it up the middle. Instead of going to the strong side. So at the end of the day, Manny Diaz is guilty. Manny Diaz has failed. And that game on Saturday, yeah, we had mistakes. But damn it, come out and own what you fucked up on. Because I can tell you, if you're going to point the finger, that's cool. I might make Jaron one of the best quarterbacks we've ever had here. But you guys do the same thing. It's a two-way street. But let me tell you about the good news, Gary, because everything we're talking about is negative. And I'm always being attacked for being a negative person. But here you go. We got six weeks that we don't have to travel. Six weeks mm-hmm. that we're home recruiting. Six yep. weeks for these kids to live in that freaking film room 
on their own, outside the 20 hours that are allowed by the NC2A, you got six weeks to get better in practice. Mm-hmm. That's the good news. You've got five home games during those six weeks. We yep. got opening day. Okay, I don't care if we're playing Fan Bethune, FIU. I don't give a damn. It's the first game. Well, you got three weeks before you, you got three weeks before you got to play a real opponent again. That's fine. But what am I doing? Which, which is good. I mean, three weeks at this point is a great thing. I mean, that's a that's a huge commodity. Well, what are you doing these three weeks, Gary? You are pretty Whoa. much getting everybody on the same page, and you're getting that chemistry. It's yep. not all about feeling good and looking good and jumping in practice and having the great music. It's the freaking ability to come together. And they're not there yet. When Shaq says at the end of the game, ah, nobody was worried in the locker room. Eh, nobody's panicking in the locker room. That's the biggest tell for me that you are, that, that there is lack of chemistry. So these next five, six weeks, these five games, they got to come together. They got to grow together. But most importantly, they got to stay together. And that only happens, brother, when all parties are accountable to each other, publicly or in that locker room. Now, all right, everything. The only thing I can tell you, recruiting wise, Gary, is whoever wants to be here is going to be here. And if they're wishy washy, they ain't coming. So worry about what you got in the fold. Don't worry about what you don't have. And coach your ass off. Coach your asses off. And hold your kids accountable and make them better. It's not calculus, Gary. It never has and never will be. God bless. Be well, Gary. All right, man. Thanks for the call. We'll talk to you next week. Wow. I can't believe you put the time in to produce a couple of those stats. That's um, that's impressive, but uh, gonna have to take a look at that. I you know I didn't realize that the play action pass was working so against the offense. In fact, as I was watching it, I I was thinking that Jaron Williams, for a young quarterback, is doing a really good job with his footwork and his and his play fakes. Um, I mean, it it, it looked pretty fluid to me when he was doing it. I didn't realize that the, the stats were so lopsided on play action passing plays. Um, you know, maybe that's because got to run the ball a little bit more. I don't know. Don't have the answer for that one. All right. Five, six, three, nine, 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 three, six, three, three, five, six, three, nine, 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 three, six, three, three, hit the one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, let's go to the nine, seven, three. You are now live on Kane sport live. How are you doing tonight? Gary, Gary, Gary. What's up, Mr. Ross? How's everything? Everything is everything is okay, man. You know, we um Mr. Everything yeah. made great points. Um let me help you out with one of the points that he's making. Um we were we was at towards the goal line. I think we was probably on the four yard line or so, whatever it was. We were doing fine. We was moving the ball, we was getting down there, and we go into a a screenplay. Then the next play He's taking a seven or a five yard step drop. You cannot do that. Those have to be quick hitters. Those have to be quick hitters. Something strong going across in the middle of the end zone or, or towards the corner, but it has to be quick. 
So he's, he was right. I don't know about the stats being 100% right about what he said. He might be right. But I also saw a play when North Carolina defense noticed right away that they was about to make a running play or whatever it was. He was about to pass. They made the quick adjustment. They blitzed the corner guy off the edge, and they blitzed, and they, and they got a sack. So they whatever it was, they saw right away because they about video work, and they attacked it, and they got the sack. And guess what he was doing there? He was taking a five- and a seven-yard drop. Everything that he kept in front of him, out the shotgun, all quick, quick steps, he was able to get get off. So they, almost everything is a hundred percent right about that. Okay. Um, moving forward, the defense. If I had to get ticky tack, it might be ticky tack, but I'm going to be ticky tack. Patchman, what has he done this year that impressed you? So far, Patchen, he, he's, he, he's been he's been solid. I wouldn't say spectacular, but he's been pretty solid. That's what I'm saying. I expect you to have his numbers, but what where have he flashed or showed anything for him to keep his job right now? Well, let's look at what he did last game. Um, sure. He, yeah, he didn't grade out great. He graded out at, uh, at a 61 on Pro Football Focus, which is you know pretty average. Um, what was the what was his first he, game? The Gator game. Let yeah. me go back to it and I'll, and I'll tell you. Please. I'll tell you. Please. Uh, shoot. Let me see here. All right. Um, in the Gator game. I appreciate it, by the way. I appreciate it, by the way. No, not a problem. Uh, he was the highest-graded defensive player on the team, graded out at 77.7, played phenomenal and against the Gators. And guess what? So now what I'm getting at is I don't think he really did well that first game because, to me, I didn't see anything that, that he didn't turn anybody. I, 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 I'm only going by the grades. That, you know, I, you I know, understand the, that. The, I these, these that. people, they he, grade every game pro in college. I mean, and they've got yeah. it down to a science. I mean, I'm not that saying that they're means perfect. Everybody but, else plays so bad on the defensive line that game. Yeah, he was remember, well. He was this? far and away the best. Far and away. Yeah, and, and I mean, he, he graded out. They gave him a 77.7 grade, which is really, really good. The next highest was John Garvin at 70. So. Yeah, and, and Garvin as well. He made a couple plays and all that. So, listen, that's for me. That's one of the changes I think needs to be made. I'm just saying. I don't think he needs to start the game. I think he's. I think he's more of a role player. I don't think he's a starter. I don't think he should get majority of the snaps. As he's been doing. That's just my opinion. Because you know why? They've made adjustment on offensive line, and it it turned out to me to be okay. So if they're willing to make adjustments there, let's make some adjustments on the defensive line. And he's one of the guys, my opinion, that I think needs to be changed. Also, and I'm not trying well, to be down on Ben. Well, let me let me I'm just. You know, they're splitting the snaps pretty good. I mean, he he I went forty three. He went forty three snaps against Florida. He went forty five against North Carolina. They they gave um, Hill twenty four snaps against North Carolina, and he played very well in that game. Was actually the second highest rated defensive player behind Jordan Miller, who was the highest, but he only went eleven snaps. But uh, you know, they're splitting them up pretty good. I don't think that yeah, I, any I'm one saying, one I, guy is. I'm, just, I'm saying that the, the experiment is over for my, for my eyes because I I made sure I watched the game six times, Gary. I, it was torture, but I did because I wanted to see different things. Now, what I'm going to say is this: first game, 
that was on the offense. This game, it was on the defense. Okay, we are there. One for one. We should yep. have no more of these nonsense moving forward. And that's that's gotta Honestly. be that's gotta be killing Manny Diaz. Because the fact that he lost the fact that he lost to Mac Brown at North Carolina because his defense was not good. And because we came out aggressively as far as because what Bandy thought, Bandy thought he was gonna he caught Bandy on the on on, on the in and out route. He thought he was gonna catch the short ball, he took him, stopped him, and continued down the field and threw right over his head. That's because they expected him to be aggressive. That's video, that's slim work, that's what that's being smart as an offensive coordinator. But what I'll say about Bandy, love him to death, he's a dog. But you know what he really is? He's a nickel corner. He's not a he's, he's a not slot. Island corner. No, yeah, I agree. And that's not, and, that, and you make money without question. A slot yeah, so there's not. There's, I'm not killing him when I say that. I just think the judgment no. needs to be made. That's what his skill set lends him being best at. Okay, let's go to this next guy, and he's probably one of the biggest culprit on defense, hands down. I don't think you even got to guess where I'm going with this guy, Mister Fifty Five. Shaq. Okay. I'm tired of saying that these guys are kids and stuff. I'm not picking on anybody. And another thing about the death threat that's being done to the kicker and all that, Gary, you know what I found out? Those guys are fake accounts. Those are not Yeah, I wouldn't, accounts. I wouldn't overreact to that. Yeah, that's stupid. That's, that's, that's people yeah, that, that's not really a Kings fan. And they make no, that's, stu- that's stupidity. That's, yeah, that's yeah. stupidity. But that's what it's that not even is, worth though. We found, out, we found out that was a fake account. You could, you could it's say, not you even worth discussing. Did. Not yeah, even worth exactly. talking so, okay, about. Okay, let's go back. Yeah. Let's go back to fifty-five. Let's go back to quarterback. He does a lot of talking. He does a lot of playing around. Someone needs to knock on his door and say it's time to play football. Sideline to sideline or in the middle. Before that fourth and seventeen or fourth and fifteen, it was a play earlier in the game or a little bit later in the game. When we, I think they was going for it on fourth down or third down. The the, the tight end caught the ball right in front of him. He yeah. makes that stop. We come off the field. He's grading. He's graded out horrendous. You know, talking about so grades, pro losing. football focus. You he, want to talk about he is? Money? He was the worst defensive player on the field the other night, according to Pro Football Focus. And it, and it wasn't hard to see because it was a time when. It was a time when he was running down the code. He was going to cover the guy. He runs back to the middle, and guess who got the ball on a, on a, on a screen? Not a screen play, but what you call a, the cartwheel play, where the, where the running back goes around and he, he the wheel route. Guess who caught wheel the route, ball? Yep. The running back that he's supposed to, he's supposed to be covering. Quarterman mm-hmm. needs to wake up. And I'm telling you, Gary, it seems like right now he's faking it till he make it. And I'm not saying that about a freshman. I'm saying that about a senior. So if anybody's upset with me about that, oh, well. I'm talking about a grown senior who said he came back to win games and win championships. Stop flexing. Stop throwing your muscles. Stop doing all the Instagram stuff and start playing football. I mean, uh, just looking at the pro football focus grades, he is by far the worst defensive player on the team so far this year. Now, I don't know if they're right. I don't know if they're I don't know if they're wrong. I don't know what he's supposed to be doing every play. I'm not yeah, grading him every I'm, play. They they I'm are. And and they gave him a 50.2 grade in the Florida game, which he was 25 out of 25 players who played on defense in that game. And then in 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 the game this week, they gave him a 51.7 grade, which is just as bad, and he was 18th out of 18 players that 
played the entire game. Do you do you know anything about injuries? He's playing like he's he's running in quicksand. Yeah, I don't the know. The word is that he dropped. No, I wouldn't say that. Dropped? I wouldn't say that because he had a play, and I can't remember the exact play. It, it was the flea flicker it pass. Was, it was. It, it was. Did, do you remember the flea it? flicker? The flea. Do you remember the flea flicker pass? He blew, he, did he blow he, it up? He well, he tried to blow it up, and he showed incredible quickness on that play. I mean, well, he, he, he looked like the, he, he attacked the. He attacked, he attacked the, the, the he receiver. Yeah, he attacked oh, okay. the receiver who had the ball well, before he threw it back to Al. Because he also made he also made a tackle for loss on the running play. I'm not saying he's not showing a little bit, but what I'm saying is, more time out of not, he's out of position. Oh, he's well, so I'm saying I'm giving you credit for bringing that up because Pro Football Focus back will back you up on that. I mean, they they like, think he's been the worst defensive player on the team through two weeks. Now, I asked Blake Baker about it, Ross, the other day at the press conference. I specifically asked him about Shaq because I noticed these grades. I'm like, what the heck is up with Shaq? Blake said he thought that Shaq played pretty well against North Carolina. So who knows? Well, who listen, knows? listen, listen. Who he's, knows? Trying to, he's trying to keep a senior engaged. He could be. Because when you look to the right and you look to the left, there's no backup. I'm going to make another mm-hmm. nitpick quick um, thing. Kickers. Gary, on most programs – on most programs, you have a guy that kick, could kick it long, and then you have a guy that would kick field goals. I wouldn't now, say that, you, but whatever. No, I Gary, mean, that, that's, that's a case-by-case. Case. Bubba Bax has got a Gary. strong enough leg. He's putting every kickoff in the back of the end zone. That's not a problem. And I would say he's good for that. But we all know in about three or four games we've watched this, it's being scared to death. He's probably not as mentally tough at this point as he needs to be. I'll agree and that's with that. what I'm saying. It would be nice to have a guy that could kick field goals. If you look at every program, he's the guy, Ross. He, that's what they recruited him for. He's the guy. I understand. We got to do better. They don't have another kicker coming into the program for two years, so he's so the if guy. He gets hurt, then what do we do? So if he gets hurt, well, they do got do? walk-on kickers that you know to back him up, but he's you know they, they're not benching Bubba. Ba- I don't think they're benching Bubba Baxter. Yeah. No, no, I'm helping your point by when you say better recruiting for anybody. Anybody that does anything, I don't care what staff, who staff, what staff, you got to recruit good kickers. Kicker. Yeah. Kicker. Hey, and let me tell you something. Men- mental toughness is part of the recruiting evaluation. Sometimes you can't really tell when you're recruiting a kicker if he's a mental toughness guy. Because of these camps, most of these guys are booming it and they're getting it done, and they're not in pressurized situations. So you never could. You, you find that out. You find that out in games. You don't even find that in, in, in practice because those things, those made up. If you kick the field goal, your practice is over. Those things I've been, I've been for basketball wise, I've been through a bunch of those, and you and he still missed a foul shot. But anyway, um, kick to a couple of things. The recruitment thing that you guys are bringing up, and he say he's going to make changes. You know what? I don't mind him making some changes. I'm just more worried about the guys that he have on his staff that could go out of state and recruit some of these kids. Yeah, we we, we watched college football this weekend again. And I'm watching OK teams have very good players on their team. The players out there, they don't necessarily all got to come from South Florida or from Central Florida. Just go get us players, and that's it. And you know, I, 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 love, I love the staff. They're all great. They're, they're, they're all great human beings, all great guys. Um, mm-hmm. I think very highly of all of them. Mm-hmm. But there is not a proven elite recruiter on, on, the, on campus right now. From 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 okay, the head coach you, from from the head coach down, and 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 it's an issue. Ago, 
And I remember two years ago you said those, those exact words. And you know where it start, you know where it starts at? It starts at administration there. Because guess what? While we're all saying that we like Manny, and I really like him, I really going to ride with him. At the end of the day, let's just call it spades or spades. Did he hire the right guys? I don't even know where the running back – even though the running back was doing well, I've never even heard of this guy before. Can he recruit? Don't know. I mean, Don Chaney was already okay. recruited. The tight end coach The tight end coach is a local guy, quote-unquote local Northwestern guy. Can he recruit? He he knows recruiting, yeah, because he's been a recruiting coordinator at, at Louisville. He's been a recruiting coordinator at Oregon. Um, he's worked under Cristobal. I mean, I mean, he knows recruiting. Okay, because we just have to get it going here. I don't think we're going to get Isaiah Walker, which is fine with me. Um, it's all right. I'm 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 past it. I'm I'm over it. Don't think we're going to get him. And I don't to say that we need him that bad because I think our offensive line guys are going to develop. Great call by them by putting Clark in. I think he's going to be a staple guy eventually, and I think he's going to get played. And it says a lot when a kid like that could come from Georgia and start, and we have guys from Iowa and all over the country on the line that haven't even seen a minute. Yeah, he that was goes a, back to Rick. Both, both he and Zion Nelson were great finds. I mean, the, those were last-minute signees that the recruiting office uncovered just on pure labor and work that and Gary, were after, they were afterthoughts. As who are you having huh? as a guest tonight? Uh, we're going to have Charles Farms. That he'll be on about 930. What does he do? Like, what is this? What is this? Charles Farms was a safety for Miami for four years. Oh, great. From, uh, so I think it was 89-93. Yep. Yeah. All right, Ross, we'll and do some other guys to get go. on, man. All right. You man. got it. Um, we'll talk to you next week. See All right. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go down to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how are you? What's up, Adam? How are you doing this week? Well, a little disappointed with the game, but I did like that I saw the growth in Jaron Williams. I thought the default to Harley was really nice. It was a really perfectly thrown deep ball um, that led up you, to the touchdown by him. You, you didn't think it was a little underthrown, huh? Well, no. I mean, it was perfectly thrown for the time. I still think he needs more touch, but if he put more touch on it, it would have been picked. I mean, I mean, Harley was pretty open. That probably should have been a touchdown. Yeah, but at least he showed off his arm a little bit. And, I mean, and on the third and long to Jordan, he threw a perfect in, and it got, what, 21 yards? But yeah, I, I thought he played he great. A, yeah. I, 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 thought thought he, played, I thought he played great. But, you know, somebody asked me a question today, Adam, that, that kind of threw me a little bit. And uh, I, I'll ask you the question because I'm curious to see what, you know, what, what you'll say just for as a little experiment here. Somebody said to me, if you could pick – between Jaron and Sam Howell, based on what you saw the other night, which quarterback would you pick? You can only pick one of the two. Which one would you pick? I think I think it's tough because I like Jaron in this offense just like I like Sam Howell in North Carolina's offense. I okay. think quarterbacks are based on the offense that they're in. I don't know if Sam Howell would be as successful in an Enos offense as Jaron is. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, I thought Jaron yeah. played great. But I yeah. had to admit when I asked that question that 
Sam Howell probably showed a little bit more it factor. And it was yeah, interesting because Sam he's a year he's a year younger. Yeah, that's true. So I, you know, but I hadn't really looked at um, it that way until I was asked yeah. a question earlier today, and it kind of, like I said, it threw me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I thought Jaron uh, played great. I, I thought Jaron played yeah. very well. And when they mm-hmm. protect him, he's very accurate. Yeah, he is. And I like the switch to Clark. I mean, yeah, he got rushed a couple times. I think, what, North Carolina got it to him four times and maybe had, like, six or seven other hurries where he had to, like, get out of sack or he was – I mean, I still don't like the fact – I still think he puts the ball on the ground too often because he recovered, what, two or three more fumbles? Yep. Well, he's learning. I, you know, he, he, yeah. he, it, it's a different deal than playing in high school. He's kind of kind of learning the hard way. Um, quick question about recruiting. And, yes, I know Miami was good even when unearthing the recruits. Like, I think Santana Moss – was a walk-on. Ed Reed and Reggie Wayne weren't the four-star recruits. I think Reed's only other, like, scholarship offer was Tulane, and Reggie Wayne, pretty much the same deal. But what about – is it harder now to have, like, an all-off state of Miami, like they did under Jimmy and, to an extent, under Butch? It's not supposed to be be harder. No, but I mean, I meant because of yeah. like the internet with rivals and scouts and nah. how much recruiting is okay. I think at the end of the day, the onus is on the coaching staff to do a good enough job recruiting South Florida that it, it is the state of Miami. Okay, because the last really hyped recruiting class I think Miami had was the '08 class, and even some of those didn't pan out like we thought. Although Arthur Brown did pan out at K State, it. I think that was really the last good Miami recruiting class because even the Northwestern kids, even when they were here, were pretty good. Right? Wouldn't you agree that that was like the last yeah. really good Miami class? The yeah, class? Probably, pro- probably was. I mean, I'm not looking at the list in front of me of every class, but I mean, that was certainly a pretty good okay. one. Yeah. I, um, a couple questions. What was Manny thinking? Like, I mean, yes, the fourth and 17, and I sort of get it. But the first possession of the third quarter, um, we're down. It's a chip shot field goal. Yes, I know Baxter's missed a few, but it's not. it would have been what? Maybe a 30-plus yard field goal? Uh, it would have been just under 40 it. yards. would have been about 38, 39 yards. Uh, I thought he but, should have kicked the field goal. Uh, and now okay. the, the coaches, and I wrote about this a little bit the other day, they, they go by the metrics. And, yeah. you know, they, it's pretty clear cut to them what they're going to do. And, mm-hmm. and Manny and I, I actually talked to Manny about that a little bit at his press conference on Monday. And you yeah. can go back and look at, look at what he said about it. But, um, he, you know, he, the metrics will tell coaches that fourth and two at the 21, you go for it every time. That's what the charts tell them. That's what the metrics tell them. Uh, okay. um, you know, unless it's like an end of the game I- situation. Or, or I mean, you know, you, was, you're, you're kicking the win the game or whatever. I don't agree with the, with the metrics, I, you know. No. And, and Manny equated it to playing blackjack, and I don't agree with the damn book in blackjack either. Yeah. Because if there was a book, then everybody would win. And, and, nobody, and, I, and nobody wins at the blackjack table. So, like, you know, I, I think it's a feel thing. I think it's a game-by-game. Game. To me, when, when you're on the road – 
and you're playing a night mm-hmm. game on the road, you better respect the fact that you're playing a night game on the road and, and how hard it is to win that game. And to me, every single point over the course of that 60 yeah. minutes is a precious commodity. Mm-hmm. And, and, mean, and, and, the, and it needs to be treated that way, Adam. It need, you know, and, 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 so I, and, and, and I had the conversation with, with, at the time before the kick was even, before the, the play was even run, I said in, up in the press box to the people that were sitting around me, I don't like this. You know, I, I said, I said, you, you can't, you can't leave points on the field here. You're down by four, cut it to one. You still got a quarter and a half left to play. You know, don't risk yeah. not getting points on this possession. Well, I mean, so, I was shocked. I think, I think when he first did it before the play, I thought they're just going to try to do it. Go down and yeah. try to well, get him don't, to go don't be shocked. Yeah. Don't be shocked because the charts yeah. and the metrics that every coach these days goes by, it tells them to go for that. And you're starting to see even in the NFL where they're yeah. conservative as hell because they, they understand yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, most NFL yeah. games come down to a kick at the end, right? I mean, yeah. you know, points are an absolute precious commodity in NFL games. It's getting to the point now where even NFL coaches are going forward in those situations. And um, it's because of the research and the, and the metrics and the probability stats that they're all using. And I think though that's great, but I think you also got to factor in where you are and what the situation is. And a, to me, a road game in a, you know, in a situation in a game like that, where you've been coming from yeah. behind every single point is precious. That's that's what I, I think. I mean, here's the thing. If it was Bethune-Cookman or even Central Michigan, I'd understand, although now with even looking at uh, what happened with ULM in Florida State and Georgia State in Tennessee, I'm not taking any win for granted, especially with the way this team – I mean, to be fair, I, I actually think this team is, like, in better shape than, say, a Tennessee where Tennessee's 0-2, same record as us, but I think we've looked better than that. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. And I think we've – and granted, Florida State's 1-1, one one, but right now I think we've looked better than Florida State because they were a blocked field goal away from going to double overtime with ULM at home. And they already lost to Boise State at home. So even though Florida State has a better record than we do, would you say that we're at least look the met the eye test? I don't know if you were able to see any of the Florida State. I ULM saw games. a little bit of it. I thought they looked terrible. Okay. Um, a couple other things. Um, what um, did um, Amari Carter say? Anything like did he just not see Sam Howe wide? Or what happened on that plane? It was he, just interesting for him. We haven't had a chance to see, even ask him that question. Oh, okay. He he yeah, he has he just he hasn't been available to us. Oh, okay. And that's not going to impact him for the Bethune Cookman game, is it? Uh, it was the first half, so he sat out the second half. I would I believe he's allowed to play from the beginning against Bethune. Okay. Um, and now looking forward to next um year, have you seen? Um, there was the the teammate of Bubba Bolden and Brevin Jordan. What's his name? Jalen Phillips, 
who is the all everything right out of UCLA. Yeah, but he's not a he, he's he's not a teammate. He was at UCLA. Bubba Bolden was at USC. No, I meant a teammate in high school. I think didn't they all go to Bishop? Oh, okay. Together? All right, I'm with you. I'm with you. Go ahead. Sorry, Kate Martell. What position is he? Because he's a defensive. Thinking, he's a defensive end. Okay. And have you seen him at all? Do you think he'll have an impact on this team next year? Because I know, wasn't he like – We got to see, you know, he had concussion issues out there. I mean, he's he's a little bit of a gamble, but they're, you know, they're giving him time, the proper time to recover and all that. And uh, he'll come out for spring and we'll see, we'll see how he does. I mean, he was an elite recruit coming out of high school. Yeah. And was, um, and was very, and was very good as a freshman at UCLA. Oh, okay. So it wasn't that he was often injured at UCLA. It was just with the change in the coaching staff and all that. No, he had concussion problems. Oh, okay. I love that as well. Um, and a quick thing on recruiting, and then I'll let you go. Um, two things. One, um, have you happened to see this player, Matt Cross, the basketball commit? I have. And if, do you think he's a solid sign, like in the like of like can do for the forward position what Lonnie yeah. Walker did for the guard position? I, I'm not going to go that far yet, but I think he's a great prospect. Okay. I think basketball is doing very well. They're slowly working their way back from that debacle with the FBI uh, that yeah. they got roped into. That killed it killed their recruiting class that year and and, and set the program back <laughs> two years. Uh, I think you're going to yeah. see them be a little bit a little bit better this year. And then I think next year okay. they're going to be back to where they were as, as in the upper tier of the ACC. Um, Matt Cross is a, is a very good player. Okay. Um, so this year it will be like an NIT type team? Like Maybe, yeah, that, that, that might be reality. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that, 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 that might end up being about reality. Uh, and, and okay. you know, maybe they could sneak in it to the NCAA. We'll see. I, I don't really have an opinion on that yet because – we haven't really seen anything, but I think by next year, next season, they should be back to a tournament team. Okay. Um, and last thing um, on recruiting, despite the 0-2 start, do you see any, have you heard of any recruits like really wavering? No. Like doubting? Because I've heard like this thing with Ohio State and Jaden Francois, that he's like on the verge of flipping to Ohio State. Have you heard yeah, anything that's, about that, that? That's been rumored. That's been rumored for a long time. That would not shock. Okay. That was, and what that, about, that was, um, and who was, who's the other player there? Uh, Keyshawn Washington. Is yeah. he solid? Okay. Uh, it seems like he is, but nothing would shock me there either. Oh, okay. And nothing, there was a rumor, anything with Donnell Harris, because there was a rumor that he liked Miami or he tweeted no. pictures nope. of him in Miami. Nope. No, no, there's nothing going on with Donnell Harris in Miami. Absolutely uh, nothing at all. Uh, okay. He's going to Donnell Harris is going to LSU this weekend. He's going to Florida next weekend. It's a battle between LSU, Florida, and Texas A&M. Uh, okay. Right. Well, another Miami kid we lose. Yep. It's Losing a lot. Isaiah Walker, yeah. I think, is going to Florida. It's not good. Well, okay. I mean, it's just it, listen. It's not good. I can't. I can't put put a a, a bow on what's going on in recruiting. I just can't. I mean, and I know okay. the class is still ranked. <laughs> I, I know the class is still ranked relatively high. You know, I'll tell you, I'm going to yeah. take a look right now and see where, where it still is in the, um, well, in the recruiting the rankings. But Henry Gray still, is also going to Florida as well. So that I think, yeah, yeah Henry well. Gray is not coming to Miami. So, yeah, like you have a lot of good prospects from South Florida. 
who are not coming to Miami. Is it and just that, that, that Miami's not recruiting them, or they just want to get out of the city? Or it's different. Just... It's different. It's different circumstances with with every guy. Um, oh, okay. But you know, there's something like 16 or 17 top 100 kids from the state of Florida. Miami's going to yeah. get two of them. They're going to get two. I mean, to me, that's that's not good enough. Um, you yeah, got an right. awful lot of local talent that's getting away yet again for for what like the fourth or fifth year in a row. That's yeah. obviously not not a very good good thing. I mean, uh, still number nine in the okay. recruiting rankings in the recruiting rankings right now, but that's yeah. going to change. I mean, I'm expecting them to finish somewhere down about fifteen, fifteen, uh, sixteen. Yeah, not which is going to be way better than last year's 38, um, but still not where, still not where they should be. Okay. And last thing on recruiting, um, have you seen anything about from Tyler Van Dyke? I know they haven't started this season yet, but will he be like that next quarterback after Williams? Do you see him being a good fit if he knows this to stay? Well, because I know we've my opinion on that, Adam. Now. My opinion on that, Adam, is that. If they don't think he's better than Jaron Williams, then he shouldn't be being recruited. That's my opinion. Okay. Okay. That's to me. That's where the program is right now. It, it's like the the there should be a, a bar where if a kid, if you're not evaluating a kid to be better than what you're playing with right now, because what we're playing with right now is middle of the pack ACC. Let's not kid ourselves. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of 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 hearing, oh, this guy's elite, that guy's elite. This, it, it, come on, man. Every, I mean, like, let's look at it realistically. And what does Miami need to do to get out of this mess? Okay. And what they need to do to get out of this mess is recruit better. And I think the bar needs to be where they are right now at every position. And if they're going to recruit somebody, that guy better be being evaluated better than what they're playing with right now. And if this program okay. wants to get back to being the Miami Hurricanes, the, the, the true new Miami, to me, that, that's, that's how it has to happen. Now, maybe okay. I'm full of crap and I don't know what I'm talking about. I have no idea. But, you know, I'm calling on my 40 years of experience of watching this program and covering this program yeah. and, being clo- and being close to a lot of people who have done a lot of great things in football. And to my eye, that's yeah. what I. That's what needs to happen. There needs to be a across the board elevation in the standards of what it takes for somebody to qualify for being a Miami Hurricane. Okay. And then you, of course, you got to be able to deliver them. So we'll see. We'll All right, see. Adam. Okay. Thanks as always for being part of the show. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Let's go, let's go out to the uh, 404. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? This is Uki. Hey, what's up, Uki? How you doing this week, man? I'm all right, man. Um, I want to touch on recruiting a little bit, and you know, you speak and, uh, speak up a little bit though, so people can hear. You. Speak up a little so people can hear you. You and 305 and Greg was talking about this a little earlier in the show um, about a player's mentality and the type of mentality of the place that they're recruiting. I'm to a podcast of our current number one recruit 
in the country, oh, not in the country, but the current number of that we have committed right now. And uh, what's the kid named Cheney? And yeah. He's, talk, he's talking about how he basically checks out at a certain time. He's, at a certain point in the game, he shuts it down during his games because he's trying to save himself for college. And I have a problem with that because it's like if you have that mentality now, then that mentality is going to trickle over to college. And we have too many players like that currently now that feel like they have to shut it down after a certain point. You can't win with those type of type of players, Gary. Who, who know, do you I think's doing that, Uki? Uki, when you say that, who are you talking about? What do you mean? You just said that there's we have too many players right now that are shutting it down and doing that. Who are you talking about? I'm not saying anyone specifically, but I'm talking about in recent past, we have had players who have done that. Basically, shut it down because they, whether they. I mean, I don't, there's no doubt. Joe Jackson, and there's no doubt in my mind, Joe Jackson did that last year. And we, there's been a play, players in recent past that have that's done it too. And if this season continues to go the way it has started off so so far, I'm pretty sure we'll have more players that will do that as well. So my whole thing is that you have too many players that just don't. Like, I, like I, this is the thing I've been saying, Gary. Talk, hey, I talk into your phone, okay? Uki, talk into your phone because your voice is kind of fading. This is the thing I've been saying about our recruiting for years and years and years. We've been getting some good, talented players, but we've been getting players that basically want to come here and get some film for the NFL, and that's it. We don't have players that want to come here and actually compete and win you got players that know it's easy uh, to go in the field. I don't know, man. And, you're making some blanket statements, yeah. but I don't think you have backup for what you're saying. Like who? Who are you talking about? But what do you mean? Like I don't have any backup. Well, I, you're just you're just like you're making a blanket statement. That's a pretty harsh statement. But I'm not sure you have backup for what you're saying. Like who? Who are you talking about that's done this? Gary, if we if all these juniors that had no business leaving for the last four or five years, you don't think that's a blanket? You don't think that flat out right there is a reason to believe that's the case? It is, but if that but if that is the case, and it might have been, don't they aren't they motivated to play as well as they can play so that their film is as good as it can that, be? At this point, it doesn't matter, Gary. It doesn't matter. It, of course, it matters. Be, it doesn't matter about where they're – obviously, it doesn't matter where they're going to be taken in the draft or they're, they're, they just want to get filmed. They just want to be seen on film and hopefully get drafted. Because if matters, but, don't, but don't you need to be seen on film playing well? Gary, what I'm saying is if you make a few plays, plays here and there, show up in a few games and here and there, that's all great and dandy. Joe Jackson, what would – was Joe, did Joe Jackson even have great greater stats last year compared to maybe his no. second year? No. Exactly. No, he. I, I, exactly. If you want to use him as an example, I'll agree with you. I, I, I thought he shut. I didn't think he exerted his maximum ability level at all. I mean, that's one guy that that's one guy that jumps out to me that supports what you're saying. But I think you're making a blanket statement that I just don't think applies. My whole thing is, Gary, is all about mentality. We recruiting kids like that who have a mindset like that in high school, shutting it down. What do you think? What What do you think is already in the locker room, Gary? 
don't and know. why would you invite? Why would you want to invite that into your locker room if you're trying to change the culture? Yeah, I don't. I can't answer that. Uh, I, I didn't see. Uh, I didn't uh, see yeah. that statement. I didn't. I don't know what he meant by it. No, I, I. I can't it, comment. There was on a that. podcast. He did a podcast with. Uh, I think it was Kane's Insight, whoever it was. Uh, yeah, whatever. But 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 I mean, I, I can't believe he said he shuts it down in the middle of the game. Like he he said he shuts it down. He said it blatantly out of his mouth that at a certain time during in, during games that he he just takes himself out of the game. Is his team like winning by a large margin or something? Then he should do that. Whether they're winning or whether they're losing, he takes himself out of the game. All right. What else? What else you got? Uh, another thing, Gary. You keep talking about the, the raising the standard about recruiting. At, you, this is the thing, Gary. If you don't have nothing to sell to recruit, how are you going to raise the standard to recruiting? What are we selling? fake jewelry to these kids, come wear fake jewelry after you score a touchdown or get an interception. Come on, man. We got to do better than that, Gary. You can't just sit up here and say these, these guys. You I, know, I agree I agree with you on that, but you got to put together a plan for kids as to why they should come to your school and, 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 what, and, what, the, and what the school is going to do for them. And it's more than just writing checks like some people apparently – Supposedly, yeah, do. I mean, the, the, cheating has been going on forever in college in college sports. That's not going to change. Cheating didn't stop us from getting good players back then, and it's not going to stop us from getting good players now. But it's all about overall giving something, giving giving players a sense of hope that they come here, they're going to have a chance of either competing for a playoff spot or getting better player development. So people talking. I mean, first of all, you hired a coach. That has no 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 previous experience of recruiting at an elite level. So why do you think that's going to change all of a sudden now that he's the head coach of Miami? And no. that's a that is a legit concern. I agree with you. It's a, it is a legit concern. It has nothing to do. You know, it's a, you know, Manny, Manny, Manny is what you know what Manny is. Like he he can't make himself something he's not just because Blake James gave him this job. But this is a massive job, man. This is not this is not an easy thing. And 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 he's got his work cut out for him. And he also can't go around making demands, telling recruits that they once they commit, they can't take they can't take. Well, he can. He, he he can do that. And he, and has yet and has yet to win a football game. Come on, Gary, please. He can. He, he can do it. it. I mean, he, he is doing it. Uki, he's doing it. He is doing it. He can do it. it. Now, whether it's going to be effective over time, that remains to be seen. We'll see. I think it might be this year. Four years. He's been four years and he's not been able to upgrade the linebacker core from what Al Golden did after he left. It's, 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 it's hilarious how people want to say, oh, be patient, give him time. No, man, this is Miami. If you want to have patience and have time, he should have went to cut his – he should have stayed to cut his teeth at Temple. That's not how that works here. This is, this is not Temple. And you can't sit up there and tell me that programs like – uh, North Carolina could win with, with, win with true freshmen at port position, but for Miami, it's not something that should happen or can't happen. 
just too many excuses being made right now, man. Too many excuses being made for the program. And it's and at the end of the day, it is a coaching problem. It is a coach. It's a coaching and talent problem. But at the end of the day, you can't expect recruiting to go to another level if you don't have great recruiters. Can't argue with you on that either. But that's all that. So we'll see. We'll see, Uki. Thanks, man. Thanks for being. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, guys. Let me take a moment here to talk about one of my absolute favorite restaurants in South Florida, a place that I find time to visit no matter which side of town I'm on. I try to get to Sicilian Oven at least once a week. And uh, Sicilian Oven is one of the best and rapidly expanding dining concepts in all of South Florida. And I I don't have to tell you, like, if, if you want pizza, and I love pizza, like, every block you can find pizza. I mean, there's always a uh, Pizza Hut or uh, Papa John's uh, or Domino's and, you know, one of those chains, Steve's and George's and Mike's. There's always a pizza place where you can go in and get a slice of pizza. But there is no place quite like Sicilian Oven, which has six locations throughout South Florida. The one that I go to the most because it's closest to me is the location in Plantation. And um, I go in there for lunch all the time. They have great pizza lunch specials and the food's always so good. And then you've probably heard me say this before, but it's really true. I got to give my wife a shout out. She loves pizza. So I always get an extra pie to, to bring home to the missus whenever I go eat lunch at, uh, at Sicilian oven at Sicilian oven. They offer a new way of dining. Their philosophy is based on the best ingredients and flavor combinations mixed into a carefully designed menu. Many of these recipes have been handed down from generations through the DeSalvo and Garavuso families. It begins with classic pizzas with traditional toppings and expands to gourmet and select pizza combinations that are far removed from what you'll find at the nearest corner. You love wings like I do? Well, Sicilian Oven's wood-fired wings are marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices and served with caramelized onions, which just tops them off perfectly. Sicilian Oven also offers a wide array of specialty Italian dishes from eggplant, carbonara, and parmigiana to mussels mario and fire-roasted shrimp palermo. They have soups, salads, salads, sandwiches, pasta dishes. No matter your taste, you'll find something great at Sicilian Oven with six locations throughout South Florida. All right, the Canes are playing Bethune-Cookman Saturday, 4 o'clock. How about you go to lunch on your way to Hard Rock Stadium Visit that plantation location I talked about at the Fountains Complex off University Drive. Or if you're coming from the east, go to the Aventura location at 205th and Biscayne. Both of them are about 15 minutes from the stadium. If it's a road game and you live in a different part of town, you can go to their locations in Lighthouse Point, Coral Springs on Stample Road and 101st and in Boca Raton. And their location at Oakland Park Boulevard just west of Bayview in Fort Lauderdale has a full liquor bar. So get on over to your nearest Sicilian oven restaurant and get ready to experience the next level in casual Italian dining. You can visit SicilianOven.com to find the nearest location to you. That's Sicilian Oven and SicilianOven.com. You will not only love the taste, you'll taste the love. And I hope by now every single one of you guys has found the time whether you're in town for a game, if you don't live in South Florida, and if you live in South Florida, I hope you have found the time 
to get over to one of those six locations and experience what people like myself and um, Bruce Warner and, and so many former players have all come to experience the, the great food that they bring out every single day. So Sicilian Oven, can't recommend it more. All right, let's get back to your calls. 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the number one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show. Uh, let's go out to the 706. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Garrett? It's your boy, Sebastian. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Sebastian? How you doing tonight? All right. I got a couple of things I want to kind of talk about. Um, it's really sad when we lost a game like that in North Carolina, a game that we should have won. On so many different levels, so many different plays, could have just changed the game one way or another. But I want to talk about the secondary. I want to talk about the play at the safety level. Um, I think the loss of Derek Smith is being felt. I don't know what your thoughts on that is. You know, to to lose a Derek Smith, a guy that had a little bit more experience. You yeah, know, I would say no, Sebastian. I would say no, and here's why. Because the reason Derek Smith left was because he was behind those guys. So I don't I don't think he would have been making a difference. I I I I'll tell you why I disagree with you. On that bomb, I don't think he would have gotten the chance. He, he wouldn't no, be on no, the no. field. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Go ahead, but I'm just telling you, he wouldn't have been on the field. Okay. He would not have been on the field. Just hear me out. Go ahead. Just hear me out. That bomb with that um, bandy blew the coverage on. Nose was a safety. You know, that two point conversion when they went ahead and got a three points. Nose was a safety on that play when they just. I knew that was going to do that little sweep and switch it out there. You know, when Amari Carter got kicked out the game, it'd been nice to have a season. A veteran that would have been on the field um, to absorb that particular loss. You can disagree with me, but I'm just saying I think the loss. Well, uh, yeah, I'm I'm still only disagreeing you with you because I know he would not have been on the field. I don't know. The reason he, the reason he know. left was he was behind he was behind all those guys. But go ahead. What else you got? The other thing I want to talk about is um, I don't think Navon Dollison is playing well this year. I don't know what his grades is. But I can tell well, you when we were down in the goal line and um, we had an opportunity to go and punch it in for a touchdown, if you look at that running play, he just kind of whips on the tackle and this guy just beats him and makes the play. He graded I, out I, I pretty thought, pretty well in the Carolina game. Um, was was well, pretty I, consistent. I, I, just tell you, I just tell you what I see on the field. Yeah, no, no, I'm just, I'm just looking at his grades. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't sit there and evaluate him every game, and he graded out pretty well in the Florida game too. So he's playing the best of anybody on the O-line by far. Okay. I will say that uh, Jakar Clark looks like a player. Yep. He really, really looks like a player. I mean, he looks like a pulling guard. I know we wanted him for him to be our center, but you're looking at a guy that pulls, that gets to the second level. I rewatched the game, and on several different plays, I could see that. Which brings me yep. to my next point. So I'm looking at recruiting, and we have to really address our offensive line. We can't go another year with this kind of being an issue. I think some of the talent we're bringing in is definitely going to help. But when I look at the JUCO recruiting for offensive tackle, I see Auburn, which I follow Auburn a lot, and they have two four-star JUCO offensive tackles that's coming to their team. 
Yep. And they seem to always find success year over year. And we got Tommy Kennedy. Huh? And we got Tommy Kennedy. And, and, and But Tommy Kennedy is not even on the 2D. No, that's my point. That's my point. That, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I know. I know. No, I know you're not. Yeah, what I'm saying is they got two, not one. They got I know. two that, offensive tackles, yeah. two goals. And I'm sitting up here saying, you know that's where we're hemorrhaging. You know that's where we're bleeding. And I don't know if our standards are too high to get kids to come in to qualify at the University of Miami, but why is it so difficult for us to get JUCO players when we well, know it's at a position of need? I think Stacey Searles did not do a very good job of recruiting. But we have a new staff on there. We have a yeah, new but staff it was too there. late. It's and too late by then. It's too late. But you know, Butch, Butch Barry coming in here in 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 January. It's too late. I think I, I think we can be, do better. I'm bringing, Let me get to my next point because I know you got other callers. Yeah, I got the new yeah. NCAA rules. Okay, the new NCAA rules right now is as far as you can sign your allotted 25 scholarships. But you can also get grad transfers that doesn't count against the 25 scholarship players that you bring in. So I bring that point up to be able to say, right now we have about 72 to 76 scholarship players on the team. Can you foresee a a world or envision where we can bring in more than 25 kids in this recruiting class? We should be getting a lot more grad transfers. We should not be – uh, low on scholarship cornerbacks and tight ends and guards and linebackers and stuff like that. I mean, if we you, you know, I'm not I'm not sure what the exact number is going to end up being this year. But one thing I will say is I do think in the not too distant future that the NCAA is going to have to change the rules. Um, when you look at the way kids are coming and going from programs and the transfer portal and everything else, you have to give programs the opportunity to get their roster back up to 85. And um, so I think that at some point they'll, they're going to change those rules and, and, and let schools bring in more than 25 a year. Okay. So, 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 so if, if, if they do that, if they do that, I'm looking at how, how, how can we get our roster healthy sooner, quicker? And if we bring in 25 scholarship players, we should at least still bring in about seven to nine transfer guys in. So we don't yeah, they'd have, have to be able to count them backwards, and and like I said, I am not sure because of all the comings and goings and everything, what exactly the numbers are right now. Well, well, um, well, can I I'll try to find out if I can, but yeah. yeah, I will try to research that, yeah. Okay, the other thing I wanted, the last thing I want to talk about is, um, is, there, is it, I don't see Jan Williams really, really threatening the defense by throwing a deep ball. And I know if there was one thing we used to do all the time when Malik Rozier was here is we always threw it deep. And he'd always give his receivers an opportunity to be able to go for the ball. When I see us in the red zone, I never see us go for the fade. I never see us go for the jump ball. And I'm like, why do we do that so much when Malik was here? It's like the only pass he could throw. And we don't really do that with Jaren. Well, you you got a different offense, different offense, Sebastian, different offense, different coordinator. Different quarterback, everything's you know everything's brand new, and you've only played two games, so you know maybe okay. you you might see a fade this game. Who knows? 
All right, man, let me let you go because I, uh, I, got, I got a few people. My, my, my last comment, you, and you can just talk about this. Can you talk about number 23, the running back that's backing up DJ Jalis? I think he needs Playing to great. play more. He runs tops. He runs hard. And when we need those tough yards, he seems to get it for us. Keep me on hold. We'll keep the conversation going for next week. Yeah. Um, you know, you're talking about Cam Harris, and I, I think both yeah, he yeah, and DJ yeah. – have both played great. They're both running hard. I think they're motivating each other, and I see no reason to change what they're doing. I think it'll stay the same. You got to feel bad for Cam though. He's had two long runs called back by penalties. Um, obviously, maybe they wouldn't have been as long of runs if their penalties didn't exist. But uh, he's lost a lot of yardage to penalties this year. But he's playing great, and I think DJ's playing great. So um, it's nice to have a two a two headed tandem like that, and um, it's going to be hard. So. That's what's going to be interesting to see is how much time Lingard can get. Um, I got to think with these next two games, they got, they're going to try to get Lingard out there some. All right, Sebastian, thanks for being part of the show. As always, give us a call next week. All right, guys, it's time for that segment of the show that I know everybody loves, and uh, that's the Sicilian Oven point counterpoint segment with Bruce Warner, the voice of the fan, who's joined each week by a former Canes player. And uh, this week's guest is a guy that. Um, is perfect because we got to talk about the, what the defensive backs did in that game the other night. And he'll know what it was like for Gervin Hall and Amari Carter to be out there in that pressure situation. Uh, Charles Farms roamed the middle of the Canes secondary from 1988 to 1991. And um, now we welcome him back to Kane Sport Live. Bruce and Charles, how are you guys doing tonight? Great. What's up? CP, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? See, he was the and and he's been at Sicilian Oven, so he can attest to that, right, man? Most definitely, most definitely. I had him. I had him right. with two bellies. I had Kelvin the Belly Harris and Mark the Big Belly Caesar, and those <laughs> boys could eat. So um, <laughs> that was that was pretty funny that day. But yeah, he's been there. He loves it. And I keep texting him and calling him to tell him to come back because we want to go back there again. But. He does know about the secondary, and uh, he's got his opinions on recruiting and he's on, on lack of leadership. And I talked to him for about a half an hour before Gary, so I'll let everybody well, guys, know. I'm going I'm I'm to shut up and let you guys go. So go ahead. Talk, tell, <laughs> so tell us what's we on were your talking mind. about what was going on from '88 to '91, '92, and and one of the things that I don't see on the team and and CP will address it, is the lack of leadership. Where are the leaders on this? And I know Gary talks about where's the talent and the skills. Where's the leaders? Charles, talk about what goes on. And, you know, there's always that expression that we kind of bring up every few shows, how the practices were harder back then in the games. Well, that's definitely not the case now. So go ahead. Talk about what what it was like and what it is like being a young kid, because you started as a freshman, what it's like being in the secondary as a safety for Miami. I mean, the the practices were a lot harder. I mean, we had guys, of course, like Randall Hill, uh, Lamar Thomas, and, and different guys, Kevin Williams that could run, catch the ball. We had Horace Copeland. And you compete. You compete if it's one-on-one or if it's, we're going against um, Gino or Craig or, or even Mr. Walsh when we were there. I mean, in practice, we just we practiced to get better, period. I mean, as far as leaders, everybody stepped up. You know, if you were going out on that field, you had to play. And everybody played as a team. We were all together. It was no I or my team. No, it was no 
number one player. Everybody plays at a, as a, as a team, and you have to have that heart, and you want to win. You got to win. I mean, it's no other way. You don't think about losing anything like that, and you, you just have to you have to ball out. You have to have that heart and just go and and just give it your all. Period. And you were you were saying that you don't think that this team has that. It's it's and it, we've talked about that. And the fans and the callers have, and the, when they're posting on Kane Sport, it's like these kids have this sense of entitlement. You guys didn't have a sense of entitlement. I don't care. You were what? You had four losses in all the years you were there, but you guys busted your asses in practices, and the games were that much easier. Um, but if there's nobody pushing you, and every one of you guys that I talk to, and I know all of you, tell me the same thing. If you screwed around in practice, you weren't going to play. You were afraid to lose your position. I don't think that's the case anymore. I mean, I, I think some guys may be confident, and they, they, they don't have that sense of, of uh, loss, or they feel like if they don't ball out, if they don't continue to be consistent as far as playing good, that they will lose their position. I mean, as far as us, we knew that if you didn't play at, at an upper level or whatever, there was a guy right behind you that was hungry and ready to play. I mean, and uh, we also, you get calls from Michael Irvin or different people, even if we played bad, like, what's wrong with you guys? What, what What's happening? So, I mean, I mean, they just have to really just step up. I mean, and, and be confident in themselves. The defensive back, you got to have confidence. You can't be scared when you go out there. Yeah, I but mean, let's that, look at. But you guys had JJ, and then you had Dennis. Now they, you, these guys had Golden Rick, who was on his half asleep. Well, he, I don't even know if he cared. And now a guy who's in, he's only coached two games. He should have gone to Temple, and then uh, I don't want to get into this stuff with Blake James, but he, he winds up being the head coach with no experience whatsoever, and it's showing. Um, so if you're the player with a coach that is still learning on the fly, you can imagine what these kids are thinking because who's been there before? He hasn't. These players haven't been. They haven't been in any title games. They had the one game against Clemson. So, you know, there's all across the board there's a lack of leadership, and, and uh, comment on that. I mean, I believe, I mean, they haven't even really been in big games. Like I said, they played against Clemson. But, I mean, they have guys around them. You have the Paradise Camp. I mean, you have different people, ex-players, Michael Irvin, I mean, Ray Lewis. You know, I've gone down there. You have uh, Warren Sapp. So, they've been around people that know about the whole Canes experience and they know about leadership. They can go back. They can look at these guys and see them as being not only great college players but NFL players. I mean, and, and they've talked to them, and they just have to, within themselves, know what it takes, and they have to give it their all. That's what I mean. That's just what I'm believing. And then you got to believe in you got to believe in yourself. You can't you can't sit back and blame it on the coach. Say the coach didn't do this, the coach didn't do that. You have to go out as a group and say we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it because at the end of the day, the coaches they don't step out on the field on game day and play. They call plays, but they're not playing out on the field. You're out there playing on the field. Yeah, Gary, I mean, I wanted to talk about the young secondary, but I, I think most of the callers and most of the people that are posting are disappointed in, in, in the lack of a pass rush and the lack of any push from the middle where that's that was the staple of Miami, the defense and well, the defensive they, they don't tackles have, that we used to have. They don't have defensive tackles. And I was, they don't. I was, I've been trying to say that the whole offseason. Like, you know, Bethel is is a rotation guy. He's not a, a front-line major division one, I'm going to win championships type of defensive tackle, um, you know, j- j- just as not. And, you know, John Ford, as great as we would like to 
believe that he can be. It's also he, he's a rotation guy. They have rotation guys. They don't have um, front line guys that are going to be difference makers in a game. And that goes back to what the argument I've been making for days now about the recruiting has to get better. Like you have to have those type of guys or else you're going to get into these games on the road. And a lot of them are going to be at night, especially with the new ACC network and the way Miami draws on TV. You're going to see Miami get a lot of these night games on ACC network going, going forward. And, and if you're going to win them on the road, uh, you need guys that are going to change the game with their play. And, that, and, and that's what they're lacking right now. But the one thing I wanted to talk um, to Charles about is Gervin Hall. And he had a rough night the other night. You know, he's, he's only starting for the second game. And, you know, those were high-pressure situations down the stretch there in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, and he was late. He was late on both of them. And you know, talk a little bit about what, like, might have been going on in his mind and, and you know, why he might be a little uncertain about his assignments in those situations and why he might have gotten to the play late. Well, he might know because he was a freshman and he played. But that's what I'm talking TV, about. But like yeah. a, a young kid, like it's a young that, kid. Obviously, he's still he's still thinking. He just nothing's natural and fluid to him. He's got to think all the time. It's not easy. But go ahead, you you explain it to Gary. I mean, um, you have different pressures that's on you. But first of all, as a defense back, you know you got to have short memories. So if he made a missed assignment or something, or somebody made a play on you to play before, you happen to have to have enough confidence to come back the next play. You don't let one play totally affect you in plays after that because it can pretty much not necessarily destroy you, but it can get you down. Defensive backs have to have short memories. You have to know that, okay, that play is over with. You're going to come back the next play. And, I mean, he is young. I mean, and he has to grow into that. But you, you're supposed to already be like that as defensive back, like I said. And that comes along with practices and also going against the guys. And, and just having confidence in yourself. You can't think about what happened the last play because the next play is coming. Yeah, and, but in conjunction with our last comment, Gary, that lack of a pass rush on that fourth and 17, that didn't help either. And he had a, he had a, quite a lot of time to be able to stand there and wait for somebody to get wide open on, a, on, that, on that particular play. I, mean, I thought they should have sent five, maybe six guys, but that's just me. I would have taken away his, his time and make him either run the 17 yards, I don't know if he would make it, or force him into something with two or three seconds after the snap. I wouldn't have given him – I would not have rushed four and dropped seven. I wouldn't have done it. Charles? I mean, when putting pressure on the quarterback, that helps defense backs out a lot because – it's not easy when you're running across the field or you, you're running around chasing receivers down. So pressure always helps as far as coverage. I mean, I was blessed that uh, I played with Russell Maryland, uh, Cortez Kennedy, and those guys, Rusty Madaris, and a number of other guys to where we put pressure on the quarterback, but we also blitz at different times. And when you're in man-to-man coverage, you just have to cover your man, and, and that's it. But pressure always helps the defensive back. Uh, and the part of the problem, all Charles, day to would sit be back. CP, wouldn't you agree that with the tackles we that Miami used to have, and Wolf work and those guys always drew double teams. It made it easier for the ends to get up the field. I don't see these guys drawing double teams, so it's not like we're going to get a pass rush if, if our tackles are not getting double teamed. That's very true. That's very true. I mean, tackles have to be strong, and they, they'll create different. I mean, you got to put a situation on the offensive line to where they're worried. I don't necessarily think they're worried right now. If you don't have Guys coming, if you don't have people blitzing in the gaps, it makes it easy on the offensive line. It makes it harder 
on uh, the secondary because if quarterback has time to sit back and just look all over the field, if a guy isn't open, a guy can come open. And he has that time where he didn't have no pressure where he has to throw the ball quickly and that which can create an interception or whatever. Also, it gives time for a defensive back to make up yardage to block a pass or to make sure their players is not catchable. Yeah, well, unfortunately, this this kid is he's only a true freshman. He's pretty damn good, but still, I would on that, in that play, I would have put I would have gone after this kid. You know, I Gary it reminded me of the fourth and fifteen against Ohio State. It made me sick to watch that. Yeah, no, time to, it made me sick. This play was very similar. I don't care. They had twenty five. You shouldn't give it up. I mean, fourth and you know, seventeen. You're supposed to be off the field. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I mean, you gotta have you gotta have the confidence to go after the quarterback and just trust in your guy. I mean, and go after the go after the quarterback and put pressure on him. Charles, what's the difference? What what does a season as a starter mean to a defensive back? You know, uh, what's the difference between starting for the first time and and have, and going through twelve, thirteen games, and then coming back the next year and doing it again? Um, it just adds to your confidence. I mean, when you're first coming in, you can be nervous. I mean, but once you got a whole season, I mean, you've gotten better. You've seen different things come at you, different offenses, different pass routes, and different things like that. So being able to play for a whole season and come back the next season, it adds to your confidence, which is very important for a defensive back. Yeah, don't forget, Gary, and he, he we talked about it before, he had all these guys – um, Russell and, and, and Tez and all these guys that were on the, on his team that and, and the three linebackers with Jesse, Darren, and Michael. So as a safety, he was kind of like a safety net because the, most of the plays were made in the front seven. And mm-hmm. now it's not like that at all. The front seven is not making a lot of the plays, even though we have fourth-year linebackers all across the board. And these young safeties are being exposed. We had all thought that the pre- pass rush would be tremendous, the linebackers would be great, and it would take some of the pressure off the youth in the secondary. But it's not. And that's a problem. That's why our defense has struggled the way they have. Early in the game last week, against the, the other day against North Carolina, and late in the game, they, they looked bad. They were good for a while, but they can't, they can't sustain it. That's why I would have blitzed. I would have gone after them and and, and just taken our chances. I agree. So Charles, what are you you still living in Houston? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And w- tell us what you're doing. What do you what are you up to over there? Uh actually, I'm I'm still uh, working with you. Uh, need to do it more so as far as training and doing stuff like that. And I work with uh, a company right now as far as that does. Uh, so it's building houses and, and stuff like that. So it's construction and apartments and stuff. So wow. that's what I'm doing right now. And my sons, they are actually, they are juniors in college themselves, and they play soccer. Wow. And you, you wouldn't believe this, but how much do you weigh compared to what you weigh? Because you look pretty much the same, you know. When I, saw I weigh, you, when I saw you at Sicilian Oven when we went, you looked pretty much the same as you did when you played in college. Pretty much. I mean, of course, I don't work out as much, but I'm pretty much the same weight. Yeah, you look pretty good. Pretty much the same weight. Between, I stay anywhere between 185, 190. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. So, yeah, pretty much stay, the same weight. Staying in DB playing shape. Yeah, we could use it. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> you have any eligibility left? Huh? Excuse me? You have any eligibility left? No, I wish I did. <laughs> I wish I did. I mean, a lot of guys, I'm quite sure, wish they did have some eligibility left. Even if we could go out there and maybe disguise it and come in with shields so people couldn't actually uh, see our faces. But, I mean, age has kind of creeped in a little bit. So, <laughs> but there's certain <laughs> plays, I'm sure our, our skills as far as uh, mentally would help out a lot. Yeah, well, a lot of these guys are coming down and they're helping out. And I know Bryant McKinney came down earlier, and I know Leon's been dealing with some of these kids. But I don't know if any of it's sinking in. But – I don't know. I, there's there's a lot that, that that goes on, and and Gary's got this show t- to finish up. So um, let's let him run. But uh, I'm glad you came on, and uh, you know, always a good friend. And hopefully, when you get down here, we're going back to Sicilian oven. Okay. Yes, sir. We definitely will. And thanks for having me on. All right, guys. Charles. Yeah. Thank, thank you so for much. your perspective. We really appreciate it. And uh, Bruce, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Bye bye. Yeah. All right. All right, that was the Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint segment. We thank Charles Farms for joining us from Houston. And, uh, yeah, I remember he was out there as a true freshman. Um, I can't remember all the circumstances. Uh, Obviously, it was a while ago. But um, he was a very highly regarded defensive back recruit that they were able to get out of the Houston area, and they needed him to play right away. And he stepped out there and didn't blink. And, uh Played a lot of really good football for the Hurricanes. So uh, we thank him for joining us tonight and giving us a little perspective. Uh, now let's get back to your calls, 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633 is the number. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. I'm going to get to the questions submitted by the posters on Canesport.com real shortly. There's some good ones. But right now let's go out to the 484. You're live on Canesport Live. Hey, what's going on, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? Hey, it's uh, Philly to you, a.k.a. Philly. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? So what hey, you I got? I wanted to kind of talk about a, a couple things, just like real quick. Um, one thing that kind of like bothered me or kind of like kind of had me realize this last week um, as I stepped back is it seemed like, you know, besides uh, what's going on with the football program, it seemed like we had like an administration-like type issue. And what I mean by that is, I remember when you reported that Al Gordon was going to be the head coach of Penn State, but then the administration stepped in and they didn't let that allow to happen. And they mm-hmm. were going back to like the drawing board, interviewing some people, and they were yep. signing James Franklin. Mm-hmm. Like nobody did that. Nobody did that for us. Like nobody stepped up or like I mean even tried to you know tell Blake or slow Big down in that decision making. It's like they just like kind of allowed it to happen. And even at Chiano, um, you know, you had like a lot of like fans and I think administration, even radio people got on and they were like, you know, basically just blasting that and they end up like, you know, not going through with that. And I think, like you said, we can't really blame Manny because Manny's just taking advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, why would you blame Manny? Man, Manny's just, trying to get the best job he can get for himself, no doubt. And that's true. Isn't that true? But I you know, like, and he might be Miami, he might be like, great, it's, Philly. It's maybe, a, Philly, maybe he let me just stop you for a minute. Maybe he ends up being great and he and he does elevate recruiting and, 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 and does turn this program back into a championship program and then Blake James looks like a genius. But it's gonna be so hard. I mean I it, it's it's like I can't imagine an inexperienced guy who 
doesn't have a lot of recruiting background, who doesn't have a lot of recruiting connections and inroads and a network out there, and I can go on and on and on, um, get it, getting it done. I mean, it's it's just it's hard. It's 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 hard. And that's the that's the thing. It's you like for example, if you look at Ohio State when Ryan Day took over, he didn't really you know, he kept some of Urban's guys. But look what he went and got as an offensive you talk of coordinators. Like he went to Oklahoma State and got Mike Yurich. Mike Yurich ran a top five offense for the past five years. He went to Michigan. He went to Michigan. You know their rival, and he got Greg Madison. Greg Madison um, ran a top defense in Michigan when our Brady Hope was the there. So he he got experienced guys that ran top units. You know, when Manny Diaz took his job, it's like, okay, you go get great, you go get, um, Dan, you know, Dan can be a tired. When you look at his resume, he really has no resume. I mean, he, he did not do good at Michigan, and he's following the footsteps. Okay. Hey, Philly, your sound quality is really bad. You're, break, you're breaking up a lot. Um, you you're on me? a cell phone. Yeah, that's better. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I was, no, I was just saying that um, Dan, you know, he followed guys like Butch, like Brian Kelly and um, and Butch Jones, who had a lot of success at Central Michigan. They turned it into, like, D1 jobs. And, you know, he went to Arkansas. He had a, he had one big year at Arkansas when they had a senior quarterback, um, Brandon Allen, they had a, a NFL running back in Alex Collins who spurned Miami. Um, they had a great offensive line because Sam Pittman was their um, off the line coach, off the line coach at um, Georgia, who was a great recruiter as well. He was on Butch staff when Butch was at North Carolina, you know, and they had an NFL tight end. But then that next year, when those guys left and when Sam Pittman left to go to Georgia, um, he had um, Brandon Allen's um, brother, Austin Allen, a true freshman, and um, those next two years, the offense didn't really do nothing. So he had he had no he had no um, no resume of running like a top offense. Even looking at like um, at Alabama, Mike Lossie looked ran that offense. And look what look at the, the first two games of Maryland. Look at the points they putting up. I mean, granted, it's not great competition, but look what they're doing. You know, look at for example USC. USC went and got. Um, Graham Harrell, who's a Mike, who's a uh, Mike Leach um, protege, after uh, Cliff Kingbury left. Look at what um, what they've done. They beat um, Stanford and they beat Fresno State. They beat Stanford this past weekend with a true freshman quarterback. You know, Mac Brown. Mac Brown went and got two experienced um, coordinators. He went and got uh, I forgot his name, but the Army gets to the coordinator who's been a coordinator for a long time, and Phil Longo who ran, you know, top units at, at um, Ole Miss, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, and it's like we're sitting here paying $1.5 million for Dan Enos, and he came in, he had to bring his own staff, but then he brought, he brought in the staff unproven, unproven people, unproven recruiters. You got the K-State running back coach. Um, you got the wide receiver coach for the came from uh, Air Force. You bring in Butch Berry, who was an assistant over the line coach at, the Buccaneers. So here it is. You got a bunch of unproven people, even on defense, like you know, like like Patsky and um, and 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 uh, Baker. 
I mean, Baker, his defense was decent at Louisiana Tech, but it's not like he was a, a proven elite guy. And I do like Baker. You know, he can be, but he should be just familiar with with um, with uh, Manny's defense. But that's the thing is, like, as a proven, as, as a first-time coach, I, I would think that you would want to get help. And I don't think the administration, once again, um, is not given, even though he has more than anybody else, he wasn't given um, – the tools he needs to be successful and getting the, the right coordinators or even assistance that he needs to be successful. And maybe Manny, Manny doesn't have a network. He doesn't have a network of coaches that he knows about. You know, and that, and that goes to the top. That goes to basically back to um, to Blake. Maybe Blake, unlike most ADs, doesn't have a list of coaches. You know, like, like I remember um, the uh, AD of Ohio State. After, I mean, they hired Ryan Day but he said that every AD has a short list of coaches. So even though he had Urban Meyer, you know, he didn't know when Urban Meyer was going to retire, he still had a, a short list of coaches. Well, I'm sure so, Blake I mean, was totally is. blind. He, he had to be totally blindsided by Mark Rick's retirement. I mean, just the way the season fell apart and, and the retirement, I'm sure he was not prepared for that. I mean, but the thing is, like, you can be blindsided, but at the same time, you said you can't. I mean, forget. Let's just forget, let's put Mario on a back burner. You said you don't have a, a short list that includes like Dino Babers or Matt Campbell or um, or Jeff Brom or like other co- or other assistants, like even Brett Venerables. Like you don't have a short list that includes them that say, "Hey, let me guard your interest first before I make this move." Because you could. How about this? How, how about this? Most public. How, how about this, Philly? How about just interviewing all those guys and seeing what they have to say? Find out what they're doing that you're not. Like, why is your program failing? I mean, how about that? How about just taking a few days? And and if and if you're still dead set on what you want to do, you that's your call. Like you, that's your job. But like, how do you not bring these kind of guys in for an interview? How do you not bring Mario Cristobal in for an interview? Like, I I, I mean, if anything, but that's the thing. If, If anything, like these guys. Have, have been coaches for, you know, how, how many times have been at different programs, and they have proven staff. They have, they have a network they developed. Manny has no network. He hasn't developed any network. Like, you had, you know, you was at Eastern um, Michigan or Eastern Washington and then went to, um, uh, I forgot school, Bowling Green. You know, you had um, when, when uh, James Franklin, before he went to Penn State, he was at um, Vanderbilt. And my, my last thing is my last thing is this. Um, I know that the offense looked a lot better this week against UNC. I'm still not buying into this this offense because I've seen this offense, and it is, it's not an offense that's designed to succeed in today's NFL, I mean today's uh, college football. Um, when when um, Gene Chizik, after Gus left, he, um, he tried to run this same type of multiple, multiple offense and they got him fired. When James Franklin left Vanderbilt and he went to um, he went to Penn State, he tried to run the same offense for two years. There's multiple pro star offense and they had one of the worst offenses and he ended up going and hiring Joe Moorhead and you see what happened. They went eleven and two, beat Ohio State that, that year. Um, look at what's going on at some of the blue but look at look at USC has gone away from that multiple pro style. They going to the spread. Look at L S U. LSU went, went into all 45 points. It went to the spread. Um, 
Michigan, Michigan went. Oh, Michigan went and hired um the Jeff Gaddis, who was a wide receiver coach at Alabama. They going to the to the spread. I mean, and Manny said that he wanted to, he wanted attacking style type offense. But when you're sitting there and your offense gets into the twenty, and then you go to like twenty-two personnel, thirteen personnel, and you're running like double tight end, um, single receiver, uh, fullback. Like, what is that? Like, who are you threatening? Like, and you're huddling. You're giving defense time to set, time to see what you're doing and, and adjust. And the thing about it is, their defensive coordinator is pretty good. Like, he he almost they almost beat Oklahoma last year. They had Oklahoma, took Oklahoma, um, Army to Oklahoma into the uh, into the um, overtime. So you know you're allowing a good defensive coordinator time to see what you're doing and set. Like why would you do that? It makes no sense. But I mean that's what I got. You know hopefully all right, things turn around and we'll see what happens. Um, but go Canes! All right, man. All right, man. Hey, thanks for calling in. Keep bringing it on the message boards, man. Your your knowledge shows through. So appreciate it. All right. Five six three nine 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 three six three three. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let me uh, knock out a few of these questions that were submitted on the message boards at canesport.com. Why can't we win? That's a pretty simple question. Um, I think the bottom line is because we're not good enough, and everything else is just excuses. I mean, look at the pattern going back several seasons now. Uh, look at just about every night game on the road. Look at the talent stats, like the one I mentioned at the top of the show. It's not hard to figure out. Since Butch Davis left the building, recruiting at the University of Miami has fallen apart. Okay? It is not even close to the level that it was. That's why we're not winning. So when you're on a level playing field or close to a level playing field with the teams that you're playing, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. You're going to get some breaks. You're going to have some breaks go the other way. In 2017, the Canes were 10-0. and 0, Okay? They got the breaks. But think back to all those close games that were won at the last minute. You argued with me about them whenever I would bring up Malik Rozier about how lucky that the Canes got to win those games. And then it fell apart at the end of the year. Well, last year, so far this year, it's gone the other way. They're not getting those breaks. They're losing the close games. That's the difference. But at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to not being good enough. And you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And hopefully the rest of this year, they start getting a few more breaks and they win the close games. Because they are due to win some of them. It's been uh, this seven out of nine little stretch here has been brutal. And not much has gone their way. So hopefully there's a little bit coming in their direction. Is Manny the type of coach to call out the university if they don't give them a bigger budget for a better staff? I don't get this question because this is probably the highest paid coaching staff in school history. You have an offensive coordinator making $1.5 million. You used to have two coordinators not too many years ago when Al Golden was the head coach making a million dollars combined. Now you have an OC making 1.5. Also remember that not only have Blake Baker, who's a coordinator, but Coach Banda and Coach Patke were given coordinator contracts by Mark Richt when Manny left before he was hired as head coach. 
So those guys had contracts. They're getting paid probably at a coordinator level. I don't I'm, I find it hard to believe they made him take pay cuts after Manny came back and said, oh, hey, uh, I know what Mark was going to do, but I'm not doing that. I'm bringing Blake Baker in to be the D.C. Those guys, I think, had three-year contracts. So this is probably the highest paid coaching staff in school history. So I don't think there's any Manny calling out anybody asking for more money. I mean, Blake James, uh, he did t- he took a gamble here, but he also put his put his wallet behind Manny and threw all his resources in that direction and gave Manny the money to go out and get Danny notes. So I don't think you're going to see Manny barging down any doors for more money anytime soon. Um, what's the take on the defense after two games against versus last year? Did we lose too many difference makers, and is our defensive coordinator not as good? Well, for starters, nobody lost difference makers. I mean, Gerald Willis, I will agree, was a difference maker at times. But Joe Jackson, Jaquan, Redwine, they were all good players, okay? They weren't game changers. And, um, but the problem is this. Every single one of them has not been replaced with somebody better than they were. There are no difference makers on defense right now, and that's the problem. So guys are going to beat, get beat sometimes, and it's going to especially happen when the opponent brings what North Carolina brought to the table on Saturday night with a quarterback that can make plays, an offensive coordinator that knows what the hell he's doing, and a game plan built for success. And that's what they brought to that game the other night, and that's why they were able to jump out on Miami and the Canes were climbing uphill for most of the night and then, you know, blew the lead in the fourth quarter. Is the administration and Blake James serious about winning at the highest level? Looking at the staff from a resume and recruiting standpoint, the poster says no. Well, I mean, yeah, I think they're serious about winning. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, I think everybody top to bottom wants to win. But there's not one person inside the building, in the administration, and on the football staff, including Blake, James, the athletic director, who has ever been any place where they've won at the top level and understands what it takes. Now, you know, you can go down the list of coaches, and and I know some of them have, you know, a lot of inexperience and, you know, not a ton of accomplishments and things like that. Um, but what do you, what, what would anybody think was going to be the case if you're hiring an inexperienced head coach who is not going to be able to lure the elite coaches out there to come to Miami, Uh, a program that's struggling, a program that hasn't won. Um, They're not going to come play for a a guy that's been a a lifelong defensive coordinator with a modest resume who they think they are better than. Whether Manny's the greatest or not is irrelevant. They think they're better than Manny. So – you know, you, you're just you're climbing uphill in so many different ways, and you know, but but don't question.
the desire for the University of Miami to be an elite program again. That is unquestioned. Like, yes, everybody top to bottom that's in that building as an administrator and is in that football program working every day, everyone wants to win, and everyone wants to be the real Miami. Forget the new Miami. They want to be the real Miami again. But the question is, if you don't know what it takes and you don't have anybody to show you the way, and you don't have, in a lot, in some cases, maybe the juice that you need to do the things you got to do to make that happen. It's hard as hell. Hard as hell. And Manny Diaz has the weight of the entire South Florida community on his shoulders right now. He's getting paid very well to carry it. But he's a Miami guy, and he knows what the Miami Hurricane should be, and he knows it's his job to make it happen, and it's going to be damn hard, and it's not his fault. So I'm just being raw and honest. I, you know, It is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to get out of this vicious circle that they are in right now that we keep seeing year after year after year. This has been going on for 15 years now. It's not going to be easy to get out of it. All right, back to your calls. Let's go out to the 941. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hi, Gary. It's Mikester Kane. How you doing? What's up, Mikester? What you got for us? All right. I, hey, I listened to what you're saying, and Gary, I can't agree with you more, okay? I really can't. You know, this program is stuck on a plateau, okay? Ever since Butch Davis left, you're right. It has fallen apart. I mean, the, the recruiting has fallen apart, and I'm on my computer right now, and I'm looking at all these kids from the class of 2017 that were here in Florida, right down the road from me, uh, IMG Academy, Josh Kando, Florida State, an elite player, five-star, okay? Here's another one that you probably would recognize right here, uh, if I can find it. Here he is, Jerry Judy, Deerfield Beach, Florida. Where did he go? Alabama. Okay, here's another one, Kellen Mond, Texas A&M, IMG Academy. This is class of 2017, and, of course, another one, inside linebacker, Jordan Anthony, IMG Academy, class of 17. You go to class of 18, let me pull it up here. Computer's a little slow. It's loading. There it goes. Okay, this is Trevor Lawrence's class. Of course, he went to Clemson, obviously. You got Xavier Thomas, strong defensive vet, IMG Academy, Clemson, okay? I could go on and on. Patrick Sertain, cornerback, where, you, where you're close to, Plantation, Florida, American Heritage, Alabama, okay? All these kids right here have gotten away because we They're don't all, have... And, and a lot of them changed that game the other night. If you just take a couple of those defensive backs and you put them right. on the field on 4th and 17, they probably make that play. Yeah. Yep, yep, you're absolutely right. I would say Patrick Sertain could have made that play and changed the game and won it for him. That's what I think. C.J. Henderson, yeah, I mean. C.J. Henderson. C.J. Henderson goes, went to high school 10 minutes from the U.M. campus. He's going to probably – they, they're saying he might be a first-round draft pick. I wouldn't doubt it, Gary. I would not doubt it at all. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's a mess. You know, and the only thing we can do is uh, 
Yeah, we're just gonna have to put our we're just gonna have to put our trust in uh, what Manny's doing for this program here. You know, I, his brother, you know. C.J. Henderson's brother, is an elite wide receiver this year. He's probably he's probably gonna go to Florida. You know, yeah. he, he he's not. I mean, he also goes to school ten minutes from the Miami campus. He's not not even really considering Miami seriously. Right. Yeah. How about how this program blew the Bosa brothers out of St. Thomas? Oh man, I don't even want John to John Bosa. John Bosa wanted his kids to come to Miami. Mark D'Onofrio yeah. wouldn't recruit the, the older one. Yep. So the, the I mean, this has been going on for years, 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 years. And unless they fix it, unless they start raising the bar, like you're saying, we're going to be stuck on this plateau for a while. Can't get out of it because you know you, you we listen. You're going to have a, a certain number of conference road games at night, and if you can't exactly. win any of them, if you can't win any of them, you can't even win the coastal. I mean, Miami's only won the coastal once in, in 15 years, and they got lucky. In in some games that I've went to, and I can tell they got lucky. The, you know, the ball just happened to bounce their way. Got to get, you know, got to raise the bar in recruiting, Mexter. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, be- must raise the bar, and then you must be able to to do something with it once you do. Got to get dudes. You got to, you got to get dudes. You got to get guys that'll make plays with the game on the line. When that can counts. go on. That that can get you out of those road pits. Yeah, you got to do it when it counts. When the I mean, Clemson has close doing- calls. Clemson has close calls from time to time. Yes. They yeah, lost to I'll Syracuse. Didn't they lose? To, they lost to Syracuse a couple of years ago. I mean, they they have yeah, they, they have close good. they have close calls like everybody else. The difference is they've got elite players on that team, and they get out of most of them. They might slip up once cool. every now and then, but they get out of most of them. Oh, Alabama of gets Alabama loses every now and then, but they get out of most of them because they have those elite dudes. Right. Right. And you know who recruited those elite dudes a few, uh, you know, a couple of years ago? Mario Cristobal. Yeah, he recruited some of them. Yep, no doubt. He did. He, he I mean, got he, Patrick King. Yep. And <laughs> I, yeah, I well, Minka, up, right? I know he, re, he re, I mean, uh, other than all the great offensive linemen they've had that he recruited, he recruited Minka Fitzpatrick, who, who was a <laughs> DB first round draft pick of the Dolphins last year. Oh gosh, but I'm looking at Patrick Sertain right now. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't say. Okay, but I mean, like, if you put those level of players into this program, and you're not going to obviously get 22 of them at a time. If you just get four oh, no. or five of those those dudes and and put them with with what you have, right? You're gonna you're gonna contend for the ACC title. Oh no doubt, no doubt. But that's you know just just three four man. That's all you need, but. But, but they're they, they're not getting they any of them. I mean, right. uh, who's an elite player on this team right now? Brevin Jordan. I think you could make an argument for him. Close. Yeah. I would say Brevin. He's the he's say... the leading tight end in the country right now. No tight end has have had a better first two games than Brevin Jordan. Right. 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 Yep, that's right. I mean, Jeff w- w- maybe. No, close. not even close. Not even close to elite. I'm so, I'm so tired of hearing that. Not oh, even close no. to elite. Well, yeah, you're. you're, you're but Bre- you're, I mean, Brevin Jordan, he's he's the only Power Five tight end with more than 150 yards receiving. 
He has more receiving yards than any tight end in the country. He has the most catches in the country for any Power 5 tight end. Yep. I mean, that's right. I mean, he's. I think he's. He's. You could say he's. He's elite. He's only gonna keep getting better too. Yeah. And but who else? Who, who else? Who else? Knows if he's gonna well, he's gonna stay for one more year at least. But you know, I don't know if he'll be here for a fourth. Yeah, I don't think you'll see yeah, him for a fourth year. But um, like, who? Who else is elite? Who else changes the game? Nobody, Nobody really. Not. Not on right. the team. I don't think so. I don't think Correct. So. That's the problem. I can tell you right now. I can, I can tell you right now. The other, the other problem is they're not going after people that are better in the next class. That's the other problem. That's the real problem. Talent evaluation. That's what Butch Davis had. He had a knack for that. And ever yep. since he, he left, that's every great left. player he signed was not a four or five star. No, no, but they didn't. But he evaluated their talent, and what did he do? He took their strengths and maximized it to their potential, so they could perform out on the field. That's what he did, Gary. That's what he did, and he was good at it. And who else was good at that? My grandfather was when he coached. He coached inner city league in upstate New York back in the 1950s, okay, he had a 47-game winning streak, and they lost the last game by a field goal. But he evaluated his talent, and Butch Davis did the same thing. That's why Miami was a powerhouse back then. But now you've got to have a guy, a, a dog, that can really recruit, that can really push it and be, really be aggressive. You know, I I'm not sure on how they do it out there. It's a, it's a whole different ball game, but something's got to be done, or they're not going to get out of this rut. So. Yep. All right, Mike. Sir. Thanks yep. for calling in, man. All right. We'll, take we'll, care. we'll speak I'll to you next. You give us a call next week. Let's go out to the two five six. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Two five six. You with us? Going once, going twice. All right, next time, let's go to the 239. You're on Kane Sport Live. How you doing, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? This is Joe from Naples. Hey, what's up, Joe? How you doing tonight? What you got for us? I'm uh, not doing too well, man. I, I took that loss pretty hard. You know, I drank the Kool-Aid when they hired uh, Manny Diaz. Excited with the Danny Mills hire. But uh, happy with the offense. I still think you know what I, I still think they can win nine, ten games this year. I really do. I uh, you know I think that really? I think they, I really do. Yeah, I you know I I think that they got into matchups the first two games that were not very favorable, but I don't think it's going to be like that most of the rest of the season. I think that they're going to match up much better with all these teams they're playing, and uh, you obviously got to worry about Virginia. I haven't really gotten to see enough of Virginia Tech, but both those games are at home. I mean, I don't know. I I, I, don't I really know. I think I they're going to win nine. I, I mean, I think I think per, percentages are they'll slip up again at least once, but that would leave them with nine wins, and that you know, that might get that might get no. them to Charlotte, but I don't know if they even want to go to Charlotte. But <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know that it would be such a great experience again. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. I think they can win nine ten games. I really do. 
Uh, well, I hope so. I hope so. You know, I'm I'm a little disappointed in the in the coaching staff, mainly Blake Baker. I think that uh, that our our defense has uh, regressed. You know, what was it last year when we had uh, we had no you know plays over 50 yards that the defense gave up, and this year in two games we already have three. And um, you know, our defensive line, you already covered it. You you talked about the backfield, everything, and uh, Philly both made some some good points about how we regressed in the defensive side of the ball well, but if there was let a- me make another one let me make one more real quick that that goes towards what you're saying right now Manny in leaving after last year was probably making a great move and obviously he didn't know he was going to get offered the head coaching job but um when you look at what they lost and now they're having to replace. And then at that moment, they didn't know if Shaq and Pinckney were coming back or whatever. Uh, you know, they're they're not replacing the guys they lost with better players. I think I said that earlier. They're just not. Yeah. So it figures that the defense would regress. Might not be Blake Baker's fault. Okay. In fact, I would say okay. it's not. I would say it's not his fault. Like, listen, he's running Manny's defense, okay? Yeah, he's the coordinator. Yeah, he's making the signals and all that. But they go over their plan before the game. He's running the Manny Diaz defense, and he's just executing the calls. They're not as good. They're not as good as they were last year. Now, granted, you know, a couple of balls could have bounced our way. You know, when we were 10-0, we got lucky, like the other caller, you know, mentioned. And seven points, two games. Um, we had an opportunity to win both games. If we were 2-0, and we wouldn't be having these discussions and people wouldn't be jumping off the bandwagon. But uh, it just seems that, uh, you know, the experience, and, and, and I think um, with your, your uh, the gentleman who, who calls in with, with the ex-players, he, he, he coined it, you know, he pinned it right on the head. I don't think that we're, we're you know, we just don't have that, that experienced coaching staff that, uh, you know, that, that, that can really make a difference. Just look at Louisville and, and the turnaround this past year. Um, North Carolina, the past two years, they won a total of, what, five, six games, and Mac Brown is killing it uh, with his staff. I don't think that North Carolina had, you know, better elite players than we did. I think we, 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 were, we were physically um, um, better as far as a team, but yet, I feel that we got out coached on that fourth and 17th. Uh, I understand that we only had 10 players on the field. No, that's and not that, correct. That's, that's not, not correct. correct. It looked like it looked, yeah, it looked like that on TV because Robert Knowles was not in the picture, but Robert Knowles was a deep safety on the other side. They had a look. Okay. All right. Well, well, we're good. Um, and then last thing is, is I got two but other But let me just say say one other thing to what you just said. I'm not sure it was outcoached, like in, in that sequence that you talked about. Uh, you know, you have you have a play that you called. Gervin Hall is supposed to do a certain thing, and he didn't do it. It was a coverage bust. Okay, it, like, you know, maybe you blame from Banda, the safeties coach, if you want to blame a coach. You know, maybe you say, hey, he didn't have his guy prepared well enough. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, it's hard for me to believe that, but I guess it's possible. Um, but the bottom line is Gervin Hall didn't execute the play call. Yeah, yeah. Now, what's up with Mallory? I mean, it seems like he 
he's just been he's been dropping balls. He had that that, that two point conversion in his hands and the you know in the end zone. It just seems like he has uh, just been non-existent. He's been in- inconsistent. He, he made that he made a nice catch for the touchdown, and then he had a chance to make a nice catch for the two pointer and, and dropped it. And he dropped the ball in the, in the Florida game. It was and um, it looks to me like he's you know he's still young. He's it looks to me like maybe he's just getting a a little overexcited, and his fundamentals are breaking down a little bit. But I think he'll be okay. He's a very good player. Oh, no, and no, right no now doubt. he's oh, right doubt. now he's a complimentary piece to Brevin. But you no, see the difference, right? Asked. Between you see the difference between Brevin and Mallory, right? Absolutely. But, I mean Brevin. Yeah, I mean, he and, runs his route, yeah. he's wide open. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. You know, Brevin Jordan is is an elite player. And and there's yeah, a difference. Yeah, there's, yeah. Now, lastly, uh, German versus the uh, quarterback for North Carolina. I would take German hands down. Um, you know, even though the kid has skills for North Carolina. But uh, I just think, you know, going back to the coaching aspect of things, um, it didn't seem like he was confused for North Carolina. Uh, you know, we, we, we changed up our defense. We disguised some things. We, we, we dropped out of coverages and so forth in the last second. And so, but they, they were just, they just felt like they, they were more prepared, man. 17-3 in the first quarter um, was very disheartening. And uh, I just hope. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would say more prepared. They they were well prepared, and 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 they had a very good game plan, and they had Miami very well scouted, and they had a mission to test the Miami defensive backs, and um and they knew the thing that that I was impressed with is they seemed to know exactly what type of route to run against certain guys, like um. You know the thing, and and they had the benefit of Stacy Cyril's on their staff, who obviously knew the Miami roster inside and out. And you know, Trajan Bandy is the best cornerback on the team, but he's a five-nine guy. He's a short strider, and while he has good speed, he doesn't have great recovery speed. So if you can get him the bite, which is what they did, and he's got to stop and go, and you've got a quick receiver, I mean, he blows right by him, and and that's what happened. And um, they did the same thing on the other side to Ivy. Um, just ran right by him. Uh, you know, yeah. speed, you know, pure speed would be the question on DJ Ivy. And and they set up a play where the receiver just ran right by him, actually stutter-stepped in the middle of his route, which I thought almost worked against him and slowed him down. And he still gained, in like I think, like four yards of separation. Yeah. So North yeah. Carolina did a great job of scouting Miami's defense. They did a great job of coming to the stadium with a game plan that worked. And you got to give them credit because they needed every bit of it because they got killed at the line of scrimmage. Miami was far superior at the line of scrimmage. Hmm. Now, clear something up for me on the recruiting aspect of things. Um, not only did I hear about Manny, and you talked about it on the show today, um, about not allowing his re, his commitments to to take other vis- visits, or requesting for them not to take any any other visits. I also read something somewhere where um, they're going to start reducing the amount of times that they can come and visit the you know us in in in, in Coral Gables. Did you hear anything like that as far as the no. local kids in Dade County? No, they I can I don't think that's part of the equation. Why would they reduce the number of times they can visit? I'm, I'm just that's just something that I read. I guess you know. Um, no, they want kids. They want the stuff. kids that they're recruiting on campus as much as they can get them there. 
Okay. All right, man. Well, that's all I got. I appreciate you. And uh, go Canes. And uh, we got two easy games coming up. And then uh, we have a pretty long home uh, stretch. And I uh, hope we turn it around, Gary. I hope we turn it around. Appreciate you. All right, man. You and everybody else. Thanks for being part of the show. Give us a call next week. Let's go to the 352. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's going on, Gary? This Kane's 38. What's up, 38? Hey, Talk to Gary. us. What you got? Hey, I want to I want to pick it back off the uh, off the uh, the question you read earlier, where the guy said, "Does he think Mime is committed to uh the, the I guess the people who are in charge committed to getting this program back to elite status?" I'm gonna say no, and you answered the question probably like two seconds after that. The reason why, just like you said, now when they first hired Manny, I was pissed. I I was I was absolutely pissed because I'm like. How you how how Rick is gonna retire like that? You don't even take the time to even in, like you say interview other people. You just hire Manny like that. So I had to let it soak in. And you know, I started buying into Manny and he started talking and having his little speeches or whatever. I said, Okay then, I'm gonna buy in with Manny. I like the way he's talking. But on the field it's starting to show that he is a rookie coach. Because a lot of a lot of stuff he's done on the sideline it, 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 you can tell he's making rookie mistakes. Now, what rookie mistakes do you think about, he's? What rookie mistake? Wait, what, what rookie mistakes do you think he's making? Okay, first off, Gary, on that fourth and two, we, 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 on, on that field goal he kicked. I'm like, man, you got to go for that because the thing about it, if you don't get the field goal, plus you got to shake your field goal kicker. He did. He did go for it. He did go for it. No, it, no, it, no, it was, it was one of those series that he tried to kick a field goal and the guy missed the field goal. I said he should have went for it because we, if he missed the field goal, they got to drive the field to go back and score. So it was like a punt. You know, in, in those situations, like you said, in a night game like that on the road, you got to go, you got to, you got to put your foot on the gas and you got to try to win those games, you know, by any means necessary. Because you know your figure will kick is shaky anyway. I don't trust him at all for anything. So if it's me as a coach, I'm going for it because I know my figure kicker is shaky. He's liable to miss at any time like he did. So that's why I said Manny made a mistake. He should have went for it every single time because you don't have a figure kicker, Gary. That's mistakes that he made. And I guarantee you he's kicking himself behind that because he knows he should have went for it every time. And and and, let me, and another thing too, as far as with the recruiting thing. Now I agree with you that Red Wine and those other guys they weren't they weren't elite players. But now another thing about that too is the program can't be serious about finding somebody to put us back on the top because you keep hiring these bad coaches, Al Golden, Randy Shannon, Larry Coker, so you can't be serious about putting them back on the map. There's no way you can tell me they are. Because if you were, you would go out and get somebody qualified for the job to put Miami back on the map like it should be. So you are telling us right there you are not dedicated to getting this 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 um this program back. Because if you were, you would go out and hire well, elite coaches and put elite staff together. I don't agree with you and here's why. I don't think Blake James hires Manny Diaz thinking Manny Diaz isn't going to be great. I think he, I think he's hiring him because he thinks he's going to be great. You know, if it doesn't work out, it's just going to be because it was too much to ask. But 
I mean, I don't think he, I don't think Blake James is, 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 is not thinking he wants to win championships. I think he thinks he does. Okay, well, Blake James is a rookie AD too, right? So that's another thing right there telling you. You got a rookie AD trying he's to He's not really a, a rookie AD. He has no but, but experience. He's, he's not a rookie AD. He's been an AD for several years between here and Maine. But what he hasn't been, he hasn't been at Alabama. He hasn't been at a place like Georgia. Um, you know, he hasn't been at Clemson. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the foundation of of knowing what it takes to be one of those teams. And everyone, oh, yeah, geez, they it. cheat. It's it's way more than they just oh they cheat in recruiting. Like everybody loves to just you know shake it off to they cheat in recruiting. It's way more than that. You, I, I understand it's more than that, girl. I tell you what, you take Irvin Hall, okay? Nick Saban landed a helicopter on his on this guy's high school practice field to recruit him. I mm-hmm. guarantee you, if he was playing at Alabama, he would look way better at Alabama than he does at Miami. You know why? Because Alabama has elite. He, Nick Saban has an elite coaching staff. What, what does Miami yes. have? They don't have an elite that, coaching staff. That, 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 that might be different. one thing, and I'll t- and I'll tell you something else that nobody thinks about. And, and he, he, the minute he steps on the field, he's surrounded by elite. So even if he's not quite elite yet, he's got guys out there that can make up for that, can, can, can help them through it. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. Yes, you, you're right, because I tell you what, Sertan looked real. He looked real shaky back there last year. But like you said, he had other great players around him to shield him from that. Yep. So I agree with no you on that. You know what I mean? Yep. But the thing with Manny, Manny, Manny now, now it's time. Now, now we're fixing to see what Manny Diaz is made of. Manny has got to make some decisions now. It's crunch time now. Because nobody wants to hear no more excuses about this, that, and the other. Gary, you had two weeks after that Florida loss. You had two weeks to prepare for North Carolina. Two freaking weeks. And you mean to tell me you get there with the same crap you had in the Florida game. Holding. Jumping outside. Uh, pass interference. You know, the same crap. The same crap. This, that's coaching, Gary. That is coaching. I'm tired of the same crap over and over. Gary, if you can't beat North Carolina, Duke, Georgia Tech, who in the hell are you going to beat? Who are you going to beat if you can't beat those oh. teams like that, Gary? You're not going to beat Clemson. You're not going to beat think he would, I think he would agree with you. <laughs> I think he would agree with you on that. <laughs> I mean, Manny Manny expects to beat these teams. He definitely expects to beat these teams. I know. Yeah, if you can't beat Duke, freaking North Carolina, Georgia Tech, who the hell are you gonna beat? You know, in the sorry ass coastal. You know, it, it, it's time. It, it, it's time out for excuses, man. I want to see results. I'm tired of excuses. I, I've been hearing excuses since Larry Coker days. You know what I mean? It's time out for that. You, it, 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 it's no way you can sit here and tell me that Duke has better talent than us. It's no way you can sit here and tell me that Georgia Tech has better talent than us. Virginia Tech. You, it's no way in hell they do, Gary. It's no way, even though we don't have top-tier players like we used to, but I guarantee you we still got better players than those teams. And you still, each year, get out-coached and not played by these other teams. It makes no sense. And I'm tired of it. I mean, I, I'm fed up with Miami, the University of Miami now because it makes no sense. The same crap over and over every week, holding, jumping outside. Cam Harris and, and, and um, DJ Downs, I, I, I tip my hat off to those guys. They run their ass off to get their damn plays called back every time on a big run. I know they are pissed. 
because the same people keep doing the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. When is it going to stop, Gary? When? You lose the game to Florida. You when, had so many when, opportunities when, to win when, that when, game. The, when the bar gets raised in recruiting, <laughs> that's when it's going to get better. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I, I, yeah, it's gonna get that, it, it, I mean, it's gonna get thing, better but, when the bar when the bar gets raised in recruiting. But like you said, right, if, you're player, if, you're, if you're not recruiting players that's better that, 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 that better that you have on your team right now, what the hell are you recruiting them for? If you're not recruiting a quarterback that's better than Jared Williams, what the hell are you recruiting them for? I, if you're not recruiting a quarterback better than DJ Williams, why are you recruiting them? I agree with you. I agree. You're wasting your time if you if you if you recruit somebody less than him. You shouldn't be coaching at University of Miami. Like I said, I, now it's, it's that's how you make your team better. Head. You got to if you have that standard, your it, team becomes better. All right, thirty-eight. Let me let some yeah, other I people get on. Thanks for being. Give okay, us a call one next more week. Thing, Gary. Go ahead. One more thing. I tell you what, Manny cannot lose another game. He cannot lose a game to Georgia Tech, Virginia, Virginia Tech. He cannot lose another game, Gary. He has to win from here out. I don't give a damn how he does it. He cannot lose another game. He, if, it's, if, right. if we don't make it to the ACC championship, it's a boss season. I'll tell him. I'll tell him next time I see okay. him. Okay. All right. I'll tell him 38 <laughs> says, right. do, not lose, do not lose again. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Talk to you, Nick. Talk to you next week. Hopefully you'll call in. All right, let me knock off one or two more of these questions really quick. Does Manny change up the defensive coaching staff? Perhaps he starts making the calls instead of Baker, who looks out of his league at this time. Well, I mean, number one, like, these are all his guys. Like, why would he change it up? Like, they're running his defense. They're his guys. He handpicked them. Um, frankly, I, I didn't see any problem with defensive play calls like some people did. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what the deal was in terms of preparation of the DBs and all the mentals that they seem to make. But I don't see how it can be said that Baker looks out of his league. Uh, you know, I'm not sure I see the foundation for that. The guy's got to execute the plays, you know, and if the plays are being executed and then they're not good enough, well, then you can look at the coordinator. But if the coordinator's calling for a defense that should have snuffed out plays like the fourth and 17, like a similar type play that was in the end zone, if he's making calls that should have those plays covered and they're not covered, uh, that doesn't mean he's out of his league. So... You know, and if he is out of his league and Manny thinks he's out of his league, then Manny's got to got to do something and, and start calling the defense himself. But I don't see any evidence of him even thinking about that or feeling that way. Um, is quarterback recruit uh, Tyler Van Dyke an upgrade over what we have here now? Well, we've talked about that a lot tonight, and we won't know until he gets here. But I hope he's better than what we have now because, like I said, that should be the standard in recruiting at every position. Is the guy being brought in a better prospect than what's currently on the roster? Across the board, fine linebackers better than Shaq and Pinckney. They're going to be middle-round draft picks, those two guys. Great careers at Miami, four-year starters. They're going to be fourth, fifth-round draft picks. Find better than them. Find better corners and safeties and find better offensive linemen. Across the board, the criteria of being a Miami Hurricane needs to be better. You're not going to hit on every recruit. Not even Butch Davis did that, okay? Um, but you're not just fielding a football team here. You want, if you want to win championships, got to raise the bar. 
how much longer till Bubba Bolden gets eligible? He'll be out there in October. Uh, when does Nesta Silvera get back? Um, looks like it's going to be about a, a, another month or so. He's still in the cast. Um, no set date yet on that. What's the status on Lingard? Um, he's ready to go. Uh, he's just not better than DJ and Cam. So they're getting the playing time. I got to think that we're going to see Lorenzo Lingard uh, this week and next week. Are we going to recruit a field goal kicker in this class? Is Baxa in a way becoming a head case like Fiegel's? Um, I doubt they're recruiting a kicker this year. They got a kicker in next year's class. Um, I'm sure Bubba Baxa needs to spend some time with staff psychologists for sure. Um, but he has the leg and he has the ability. It's a mental thing with him, and he's going to have to overcome it or else it's going to be a tough road. Thoughts on the fourth and 17. Should a timeout have been called after UNC changed its mind on the punt? No, I don't think they needed to t- spend a timeout there. I think they just needed to not blow the coverage and, and make the play. Um, I don't think it had anything to do with a timeout. They wouldn't have known what they were going to do anyway. Um, what positives were taken from the North Carolina game? Well, I mean, I think you got to like the progress on offense. Um, I know North Carolina's not great at the line of scrimmage, but I thought the offensive line improved quite a bit. I thought Jaron Williams took a big step forward. The running backs played awfully well. The tight ends, you have four of them contributing. We talked about Jordan being elite, but you've got three other guys contributing in um, Irvin, Hodges, and Mallory. They got more wide receivers involved this week than they did against Florida. So there were a lot of good things, just uh, not enough of them to win. Is Blake James feeling any heat? Um, I don't think he's worried about his job, um, but I'm I'm sure he is very much aware that he's not looking you know real real good right now, uh, for sure. Um, how many years does Manny have? If all the Canes do is go seven and five, eight and four each year, um, I can't answer that because I I really don't know what the standards are. I have to think they they got to give him at least four years. It would be pretty stupid to hire him and not think you aren't going to give him at least four years to start winning um, and, you know, winning the Coastal and getting the Charlotte and making Miami the type of program uh, that everybody wants it to be. So I got to think he'll get at least four years. All right, let me go back to the calls. 563-999-3633. Hit one on the keypad. If you want to come on the show, I'm going to try to get as many guys in here as I can. There's four of you on the board right now, so we've got 15 minutes of show left. I need you to keep your points straight and to the point so we can get everybody on. Let's go to the 954. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary's Joel. What's up, Joel? How you doing this week? Give us, give us what you got. Yeah, just a couple of thoughts. One... We need to run Cam much more. He's dynamic. He's a playmaker. Um, I think DJ Dallas runs very well, too. But I think they did an interview today uh, on uh, Cam. And I don't know, I guess they were asking to describe the, the running styles. And he was saying that DJ is thunder and he's lightning. And All right, well, let's I, take – I know I Cam, Cam had the run called back. Let me just throw this out real quick. Um, DJ had 14 carries for 107 yards, averaged 7.6 a carry, which is amazing. And Cam had 10 for 63, um, averaged 6 yards a carry. But he did have the one called back. In the, uh, in the Florida game, um, DJ averaged 7.9 a carry, 
and Cam averaged 2.5. So the stats are not totally backing you up. Cam's gotten a little screwed, which probably would have equalized them. But DJ is playing at a real high level. Right. I, I, I won't disagree with that. I won't disagree. Um, I, definitely getting more running. I think that I think a lot of people brought that up tonight. Is just probably probably just need to uh, uh, do some more running with the offense uh, when they do play. Uh, and I and I think someone made a good point earlier too. You know, start your game off that way by running instead of focusing on passing, and maybe that establishes a certain attitude with the uh, with the offense and with the game overall. Um, I want to piggyback on the past couple of callers and also I think everything 305. I don't normally agree with the things he said, but um, the coaching, I'm, I'm not, definitely I'm not uh, calling the coaching in terms of we need to fire them, but by no means that's foolishness. But I do have a problem because I do believe our recruits are the the second best, if you want to put it that way, in the ACC behind Clemson. And I don't I don't understand how you lose to a North Carolina who probably has lesser recruits. The only thing I can tie it back to is the coaching and whatever that is, whether that's getting them ready to put you know, prepared to show up in a first quarter, uh, whether that is uh, making sure that fourth and 17 doesn't happen, whether it's getting your special team straightened out so you don't basically botch games because of your special teams. I don't know, but you, yeah, someone brought up a good point. You can't have your BCs, your North Carolinas beating you because they're out coaching you. Uh, th- th- that to me seems like that is that's a that's a problem here. We have the talent, but the coaching staff needs to to bring it too. Uh, so um, I, I I hope there's an uptick in that area because uh, we we can't be out coached if if we have better talent. That 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 can't be happening. All right, man. You got uh, anything else? Thing, yes. Uh, as far as the Coastal, I'm honestly, I don't even know if the Canes will win the, the Coastal Division. Uh, I do see a three-team three race. I would say North Carolina, to me, has the best shot to win the Coastal, uh, followed by Virginia, then Miami. I feel like where Miami is at at this point, they have a lot more to prove than anything else. They need to, to prove that they can just beat teams in their own conference, never mind national titles and, you know, turnover chains and all these other things. They need to get back to some serious business, and that's just whipping the competition right in their, uh, in their conference. But until that happens, I, to be quite honest, from what, from what I'm seeing early on, uh, it looks like a, a prior North Carolina or Virginia uh, has the edge for the uh, coastal. Well, we'll see. Virginia's going to have to come down here um, on a Friday night. Okay, and I've been talking about these night games on the road. Well, now they got to come try to win a night game on the road. you got to think Miami will be ready for that game, and, and we'll have a lot going for it on that night. Um, 
North Carolina's got to play Clemson in a couple weeks. That'll be one conference loss, most likely. If they beat Clemson, True. they deserve to win the Coastal. Um, so then they're going to have to go the rest of the way without slipping up. You know, but the problem is going to be is if Miami slips up, they need Carolina to lose three times, and that's going to be tough. We'll see. Oh. That quarterback, I don't know if they'll lose three times. I think they'll lose twice, yeah. but I don't know. I don't know if they'll lose three. We'll see. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. All right, no problem. Take care. All right, give us a call next week. All right, let me knock off. Um, I had a couple guys drop off the board. I got one 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 caller left on the board. I'm gonna get to you in a minute. Four oh two. But let me um, let me just knock off the rest of these questions real quick. Um, many programs field competitive teams with two and three star recruits: Boise State, Army, Boston College, BYU. <laughs> Miami is loaded with talent compared to these teams. What's the problem here? Um, most people say that recruiting South Florida exclusively is the answer, but could it be the problem, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Well, I mean, I think there's several problems. It's not just one thing. Um, right now, I mean, we, we, we've talked about a lot of them tonight. I, I think everyone just has to be supportive of Manny Diaz and what he's trying to do until it is proven not to work. And, uh, there's still a lot of season left here. Let's see what happens. Um, as for the local guys, I mean, they've already stopped begging these guys. You're seeing a lot of these local kids being cut loose. You know, Donnell Harris, Isaiah Walker, that they put effort into that said they wanted to, you know, that they weren't committing. And um, for better or for worse, the staff is making it pretty clear. They are not going to beat their brains against walls with these local kids. Um is that a good thing? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you know, the, 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 the answer will be in the results. Um, all indications are that the top five, seven teams in college football are paying recruits, families, handlers, et cetera. If Miami cannot or will not participate in this game, why doesn't it double or triple the coaching and administration staff budget? Um, I mean, they're spending a lot of money, man. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure why, why so many people seem to think they're not. Uh, I, I just, I don't think there's the, the budget is an issue. They're not losing because of budget. I really, I really don't feel they are. Um, it's human performance, man. People just got to do the, do the, do better and recruit better and coach better and play better. And uh, you know, I think the results will get better. But uh, I don't think budget. I, you know, I don't think you're going to buy better results. Um, you know, you can't see the thing is like Clemson with Dabo Sweeney, they, they increased their budget. They hired him better coordinators. Okay. Benny Diaz is a defensive co- He You're not going to hire a defensive coordinator and bring him in a guy that's a great defensive coordinator and bring him in under Manny Diaz. Like, come on, that's, that's not going to happen. Manny's not going to want it to happen. Manny believes in himself. He believes in his defensive scheme. You know, so that makes no sense. They're already spending $1.5 million for an offensive coordinator. So, there's not, I don't know, like, yeah, they can invest, in, you know, you could, you could run out some, some position coaches and, you know, try to spend a lot of money for some elite recruiters and stuff. But, like, you know, those guys, those kind of guys are making seven, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000, man. I mean, you're asking, you know, I mean, I guess you're talking, if you're talking about going and hiring a couple of those and running off a couple of coaches and replacing them with guys for recruiting, yeah, you can add a million to the budget and maybe do that if they want. But I don't know that we're going to see that happen. 
How come Greg Russo is not getting more run? He's playing so well, leading in sacks and tackles for loss. Um, I think it's every down consistency and just playing himself into shape after the injury. Uh, you know, Hill, Patchen, and Garvin all graded higher than him last week, for example. So, you know, I, I think you'll continue, continue to see his play increase as the season goes on. Um, any shot to Zach McLeod red shirts? Uh, I don't think that that's in the cards. He's been playing the first two games. Um, are players like DJ Dallas, Jeff Thomas, Navon Donaldson, Garvin, and Bandy gone no matter what? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, right now I don't see anyone with the marketability to leave early. Uh, I mean, it's always possible that by the end of the year, someone might think they are. Uh, we'll see. And it certainly doesn't mean they won't. We've seen guys make those decisions in the past that had no business making them. So we'll see. All right, let's see. It's uh, 10.55. We've got five minutes of show left. I've got now two callers on the board. These will be the last two of the night. Um, actually, one just dropped off. Um, wait, okay, now I, now I have two again. These guys are coming in late, but let's, uh, let's, let's try to get these last few in. Let's go to 954. You're on Kane Sport Live. 954, you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Let's go to 904. You're on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, what's going on, man? I'm going to make this quick. Yep, it's go ahead. coaching gear. Gear is coaching. It's coaching. Um, real, real straight to the point. Um, Tacky and Banda, we already know their resumes don't stack up to where it's supposed to be. Our defensive staff is green. You can see it. You can see it in the different things that it happened. Yeah, but Manny's not green. I, I know, but it's scary because Manny is trying to be. He's trying to be the CEO and let them do what they're supposed to do. But they don't really have the experience level to do what they're supposed to do. I see things all the time, and I don't even think we play our best players sometimes. Like like a caller said a long time ago, Shaq is a liability in coverage. When there's an obvious fourth and long or third and long situation, he should be off the field. I'm serious. He should be off the field. Bandit should move to the slot, or we should bring in another guy who – Who's going to cover better in that in, in that uh, in that short period of time? Because they got a big third down on Shaq, and I was like, Shaq was right there, but he's a step slow. He, he he's always a step slow. I love him, but he's a step slow. We don't like Miller, okay? Miller, the defensive tackle. He got eleven snaps. How many snaps he got? That kid, when he got in the game, you can see the difference in when he played. Like you could see it, and I was like. I can see that kid popping up the screen, but he doesn't play. He doesn't play all the time. Nose should never be on the field as a as a deep free safety. Out. It's all North Carolina's offense coordinator. They saw it because in that big play they had on Bandy, Nose. If you watch it, he's standing in the middle of the field guarding grass. There's nobody there. There's nothing threatening his own. It was a it was a three man route. One man went on the, on the, the the jet sweep motion that took the, that took uh, home. One and the other two guys it was a basically a two man route and it was those in the middle of the field guarding a bunch of grass. He's not fast enough. He doesn't have the instinct. Just like the two point conversion, he's not fast enough at this level. He should not be playing center field free safety because he doesn't have the foot speed. I know home 
has, has had some bad in, in his first couple of weeks. But I'm telling you, we don't play our best players. Rousseau, like you Rousseau, he flashes. He doesn't play a lot. I know Patch is supposed to be good against the run, but if Patch is so good against the run, how many times did I see that? How many times did I see that that right tackle reach block patching and a running back run right round? How many times did I see that in that game? I watched him reach block patching multiple times, but he's the he forced being there to stop the run. He, he ain't stopping the run too good. So I, we we don't play. Sometimes we don't. We move Gilbert Bryant into this striker role, like we moved Derek Smith last year to get a a, a, a few snaps here and there. Gilbert Bryant could be a, a much better safety than Robert knows. He has much better range. He's much better athletic ability than Robert knows. Speed, man. But, he, he, he doesn't have the speed. Yeah, but he's faster than knows. I'm, Gary, I bet you a, I bet you a thousand dollars he's faster than knows. You want to bet on that? Knows is slow. I'm telling you, I watch him play. I'm like, he's too slow. But he may have moved down the striker, but he could, he could play a high safety better than knows can. It, we, we do things like to Corey Couch. He's sticky in coverage. Why do we never see him in in their own situations where okay, we know they're gonna pass. Fourth and seventeen, man. We blitzing from the corner, and the, and like the caller said, the center getting beat all game. We getting a gap pressure all game long. We decide we want to pressure from the side and leave the guy wide open. It, it's coaching. It's coaching. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I know you. Yeah. No, I I think you're making some legit points. I mean, you are. Garrett, you're backing them up. You're backing Garrett, it up with facts. So, Garrett, like I said, but I know I'm the last call, man. But don't out these kids, man. I'm watching these kids play, and I'm like, we are really putting these kids out there, and they're not. The it's almost like some sometimes the better players don't they don't put them in position to succeed. Like I said, man, I love Shaq. He's a great guy. He should not be out there in an obvious passing situation. He's a step slow. I hate to say it. Get better coaching. Stop having guys who could be bartending or could be – oh, now, here, this is what I want to tell you. Let me ask you a question. All the guys on our defensive staff right now at this moment, if they got fired today, how many of them would be position coaches on another team? That's the question you ask yourself. How many oh, of them? I'm, I'm not know. talking about Blake Baker. I'm talking about everybody outside of Blake Baker. You tell me if is uh is it Stroud, uh Packy, uh and we, no, I'm glad I, I remember. We got two defensive backs coach and no special teams coach. We need a dedicated special teams coach. We need a guy who just looks at special teams, punt coverage, field goal kicking. All he does is special teams. Forget the two DB coaches. Don't we got two linebacker coaches? Come on, Gary. We wasting coaching spots on people who need we need dedicated special teams. That's all. I, that's the last point I wanted to make. Have a good night. All right, man. Give it. Let's continue it next week. Give us a call. Thank you. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, guys. That's going to be it for tonight. Um, I want to thank Charles Farms for joining us on the Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint segment with, um, and thank Bruce Warner for being part of that as well. Um, I want to thank Sicilian Oven, uh, you know, for once again sponsoring Kane Sport Live this year. Um, go on out and, and check them out. But maybe if you're going to tailgate at the stadium this weekend, go pick up your food from Sicilian Oven. Check them out. Go by the Aventura location or the Plantation location, which is um, both are near within 10, 15 minutes of the stadium. Aventura, 205th and Biscayne Plantation on um, University Drive at the Fountains Complex in Plantation. Um, 
And then down the road, I encourage you to check out their Lighthouse Point location, where they recently expanded and built an outdoor dining area. And the Fort Lauderdale location is always great because they have the full liquor bar. Find a Sicilian oven restaurant near you and get ready to experience that next level in casual Italian dining. And um, you will see that you not only love the taste, you will taste the love. That's Sicilian Oven, SicilianOven.com. We'll be back next Tuesday night at 8 o'clock to talk about the big Bethune-Cookman game on Saturday. I hope to see some of you at the stadium. Until then, thank you for listening, and uh, good night, everybody.